Well, 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 folks. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Quote of the day from our good man, Brock Osweiler, who, in my humble opinion, should not be calling college football games. Uh, I did not enjoy, uh, to say the least, I did not enjoy Brock Osweiler on the call today. But that's beside the point. Iowa with the easy win, 33-13 to over the Northwestern Wildcats. And um, let me get my lighting here. If I can get this little bit in better shape. That's not too much better, but all right. We are here taking your calls. We're going to be joined by Coach Don Patterson here momentarily. Um, good to see a nice pe- uh, number of people in the chat. And uh, I, I really want to start off by uh, asking this question to all of you. And this, of course, we're going to take this. We're going to break it all down with Coach P gets here, but was this was this result in your opinion was this result an indication that this offense has turned over a new leaf that it's it's turned the corner alex is shaking his head who's waiting to come on in our queue he says it's not uh i i again <laughs> burker says brock Eisweiler is about as great of an announcer as he was an nfl player oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah, we listen. We could talk about it all. I can't wait to talk about it all. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was the announcing is a I guess a discussion for a different day. Let's get Alex here uh, added into our conversation. Alex, welcome to the show. Morning, or good evening, sir. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Uh, I mean, you know, we're talking about a win. That's better than the alternative. Um, I think we yep. all expected to be talking about a win, but. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, I didn't ex- think Iowa would lose. Uh, I didn't think they would score 33 points. And so the question you had asked at the start was, do you think I- this offense had turned the corner? And you had said I was shaking my head no. And reason why I'm shaking my head yeah. no is because it's very similar to the Nevada game. This the Northwestern defense is not a good defense. So, but let me kind of add a little caveat to this is that this offense showed some things that they haven't we haven't seen throughout the seven games outside the um, outside of the Nevada game. They were able to move the ball. The offensive line got a nice push, and they were able to protect Spencer. Now, in my <clears throat> in my opinion, I thought Spencer played more inspired. He looked more crisp. I don't know if it was the week of practice or maybe him getting benched at Ohio State. Maybe lit a fire under him to where, you know, I saw a lot of times where he would like in the previous seven games, he would probably gone down with the sack, but he avoided one, you know, and was able to escape the pocket and, you know, either throw the ball uh, out of bounds, out of play, live to play another down or make a play. Like he, we saw the one where he rolled out with his left, hit a, like a little, little pitch pass to potty bomb for a first down. So it was promising to see that now again, Northwestern's defense is not that good. So, Again, we we go against Purdue next week, who has a much better defense. So it would be kind of interesting to see um, how if that improvement continues. Yeah, we're we're gonna find out, Alex. I mean, in in seven days, if if this was complete fool's gold, or if there's actually reason to believe this is an indication of better times ahead. And, and listen, 
there are going to be people who are on this post game show who were inspired by this performance and were inspired by Brock Osweiler. Uh, I mean, I, I, I felt like we were listening. I mean, listen, Iowa scored 33. Great. I felt like we were listening to university of Iowa employees this entire game, like the entire game. Like how many times do we have to be reminded that Iowa has scored on almost every possession in this game? You brought well, up the Nevada team for good reason. I, I let me just say this: I think that Nevada team, again, this, apples and oranges. I get, I get it. They're much different conferences. I understand that. I, I would not be shocked to see Nevada and Northwestern play a very close ball game. I think Northwestern's terrible. I think they're a disaster, and I don't yeah, know you, how disaster, but they are. Well, you had tweeted out to I think during the game that this Northwestern. I think you said Northwestern is a disaster, and it's true. I mean. Outside of Evan Hole, I mean, and Peter Skorowski, their left tackle. Yeah. I mean, who, out of that, I mean, that offense is, has nobody, but that's kind of Northwestern. They're very Iowa-ish in their offense. They're, they're very run-heavy. They're kind of bull- – they try to play bully ball, but they haven't been able to do that this year. And with um, – I can't think of their old defensive corner, but uh, Jim Mora, I think, is their new defensive corner. Um, yeah. he, is it Jim Mora yeah. or am I – I or no, Jim Moore is at Connecticut. I'm, I can't think yeah. of who, who's the uh, defensive coordinator, but he's been there for two years. And Northwestern is, again, a very similar team to Iowa where they have a meh offense but a great defense, and they've had you know, a bad offense and a bad defense for two years. So, But, yeah, I, would, I think Northwestern would probably win that game because I think they just have better talent than Nevada. But, yeah, it'd, it'd be a very interesting game to, to see. So, yeah. But, yeah, hey, Tory Taylor only punted, what, one time this game? Yeah, for like 15 yards. Let, let me just say this. Uh, again, not raining anybody's parade. Northwestern is one and seven. Okay. They're one and seven. They have lost to Southern Illinois at home. Bad Miami FCS team. My, well, decent FCS team. Okay. But an FCS. Oh, I'm thinking of Western Illinois, the one that sort of faced. Yeah. Yeah. Miami, Ohio. <laughs> they lost Miami, Ohio at home. Uh, I mean, th- I'm just saying this is. Uh, you know, lost to Duke at home. No, it's a, it's a it, Northwestern's a bad football team, but I would did go ahead to do. Oh I yeah, no, do. I think people thought Northwestern would win this game because all their all their losses were by one possession. I mean, even but you know, like you said, you lose to an FCS team and uh, a MAC team. You know, I don't know how good Miami of Ohio is, and Duke's I guess not as bad as everyone thought they would be in the ACC, but. Isn't most of their losses by one percent by uh, uh, by single digits or not one possession? Most of them. They got beat by thirty five at home to Wisconsin. Okay, that's got, that's the only outlier. But yeah, well, they got beat by ten to Penn State, despite the fact Penn State in that game. So Penn State won seventeen to seven. Penn State turned the ball over five times, and they still won by ten. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was that was uh, that was played in a hurricane, if I remember correctly, <clears throat> but. So, I mean, uh, I'll let other callers get on here. Uh, I know you try to keep this quick. So, a um, couple comments. I don't – two things. Uh, I don't think Fencer should ever go naked in a shotgun. I think he should have someone back there because he's not a mobile quarterback. I think if he had a mobile quarterback, he could do it because he's a threat to run. But um, but he showed – like I, I commented – When you say naked, you mean, empty, you mean empty, not naked. Yeah, empty. Okay. <laughs> Because I mean, if I mean, we sh- he showed some promise with some pocket presence today and avoiding some of the sacks. 
But, you know, what have we seen? He's not a, he's not a threat to run the ball. And then I don't think we should ever have him ro- uh, a designed rollout to his left because we've seen how disastrous that can be. But uh, that's just my personal thoughts on that. Um, and, yeah, I think that was really the only kind of negative I took away from that game. Uh, outside of that one red zone in the first quarter or that first drive they had, there was some questionable play calling. But, I mean, outside of that, I was very pleased with this team, uh, both offense and defense. So, um, and then kind of cool to see we got to commit right before the g- game. Ontario Thomas, I believe, defensive yep. tackle. Do you go, Thompson. Thompson? Yeah. Thompson. Thompson, yeah. So, yep. yeah, um, that, that's pretty – I'm pretty – Pretty pleased with with the Hawkeyes. Their offense, you know, look competent. But I think the true test again is we need to pl- we need to play defenses that you know are at least halfway decent. Which I think for the rest of the season going forward, outside of maybe Nebraska, but they've looked a little better. I think we'll be see if I was actually taking some t- steps improving that offense, specifically the offensive line. Um, Connor Kobe, I don't know. They moved him to left guard, but I don't know if that's quite working out. I don't know if is he just not a good football player, so they just put him in the wrong spots. I, I mean, I just I, I he's looked better in the guard spot, but I don't know if he, it's if it's because he's at left guard and maybe he needs to be right guard. But I just don't. Is he? Am, am I seeing that incorrectly, or am I? Do I have some credence that maybe he's just not as good as everyone thinks he was? <coughs> I, I don't have you know I don't have an answer as to why I was shifting pieces around. I don't know that him moving to left guard is an indication of Colby not being able to play right guard. I think they like Bo Stevens, um, which surprises me a little bit because he he struggled early. I, I'm guessing he's kind of come along again without looking at tape. It's hard to be you know you're really not watching. At least I'm not sitting there as you know not, nobody with a background in the offensive line play. I'm not sitting there watching the line during a game but my guess is they wanted to go with their best five and right now they believe that stevens is best at right guard and colby was not cutting it at right tackle so you know colby's flexible enough to be able to, to move to left guard but he hasn't played well nobody's no. gonna run away from that fact okay all right well that's all i have uh me and the family about ready to go to some haunted houses so uh you know sp- spooky time Oh, I, I did see this. I can't take comment on this. Someone commented in the first quarter on Twitter that Spencer Peters dressed up as Spencer Peters in the practice team for Halloween during the game. So that was pretty funny because we hear about how good he practices. So, again, thanks for taking my call, Corey. Have a have a good rest of the weekend and a good night. Appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, and, and as it relates to Spencer Peters, 21 of 30 today, 220 through the air, one touchdown, no pick. Uh, he did what he needed to do, right? Uh, now, we've talked about this before. Can you do it when the pressure's on? Uh, one could argue that early on and the score is zero zero in a Big Ten game that there's still pressure, uh, but this was still a one and six football team they were playing. That's now one and seven. Um, so we all expected this to be an Iowa win. At least I did. I don't know if anybody actually expect. I expected. I had predicted Iowa would win twenty four to fifteen. So I actually had Iowa. Uh, I had Iowa winning. But Northwestern covering, which did not happen, but the over did hit. 33-13, 20-point victory. Uh, so, more, yeah, more points than I expected. But, again, according to my prediction, just nine more points. Uh, I, I will say this. Really good to see Drew Stevens get his due today. Good to see him get out there and, and be able to show off his leg. Um, Jack... Viers, I appreciate you being a premium subscriber, Jack. He says Northwestern is bad. That helps the uh, O-line understand how is this, how this is supposed to work, but you better get better. 
for next week. Uh, Don Patterson is going to be here soon. I encourage anybody to who's waiting, uh, go ahead and call our studio line. Uh, I believe I've got our call-in line issue resolved, but I need somebody to test this. So if you would, please give our number a call, 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. Again, Coach Patterson will be joining us. You can also join the show by means of the description below. So again, to repeat one more time, you can call into the show, interact with myself and Coach Patterson at 515-635-1601. Just one line open at a time, but unlimited lines you can join by StreamYard. And of course, you can have your video off if you so choose. All right, let's. Uh, we've got we've got somebody here who did just call our uh, our phone line. Let's see if this is going to work um, on the uh, on StreamYard, so everybody can hear you, caller. Uh, can you hear me, caller? I can hear you, but I do not think I do not think you're coming through, Lemansky. All right, Lemansky, appreciate you trying. All right, um, we'll keep trying, and we'll keep trying to uh, fix this issue, folks. I don't have a I don't have a better solution. I'm not a techie, so uh, it's a it's a trial and error type thing. We tested it before the show went live. It was working, and now it's not. So I, I just don't have a solution. We'll keep working on it. But again, in the meantime, you can join the show by means of the link in the description below. So please call by means of the link in the description below. Um. And you'll be able to join by StreamYard again. You don't have to have your video on, just like a phone call. But uh, if you, as long as you have internet access, and you do, since you're watching this show, uh, please do so. A reminder to please become a premium subscriber too. Help the channel to uh, support the channel, right? And of course, the bigger the channel can get, more, uh, more and more opportunities to um, be served Hawkeye content. Hopefully, the best Hawkeye content out there, and that's uh, up for you to determine. Let's get. Uh, Hawkeye Howard, who's on hold. Hawkeye Howard, good to see you, buddy. Hey, how's it going? It's going good for me, man. It looks like you've been through a tough time. I uh, I, I, I have not uh, blown your cover to anybody on here, but you reached out to me uh, yesterday, and you are going through quite the uh, quite the um, scare right now. Can you uh, tell everybody what's going on? Yeah, I will here in a second, but I'm going to say, uh, hey, Hawks got win. That's really good. You know, hey, um, I would like to see that. You know, um, like uh, still Spencer, I, I don't know. I mean, it has a lot to, lot to be desired, right? But you got to remember Northwestern is pretty bad. So, well, um, my health issues, uh, I went to the doctor the other day and uh, had an x-ray and found I had an enlarged heart. Uh, so they... Uh, so I'm in the hospital now. Um, as you see my arm here, uh, they did a test uh, and I have some uh, arteries that are clogged. So Monday I will be going in for open heart surgery on Monday morning. So that's where I'll be. I'll be here at Cox South and, you know, um, but uh, unfortunately, Corey, I, you just got to laugh. 
tomorrow's my wife and I's 14th anniversary. And we'll be spending it here. And Monday's my 53rd birthday. So, guess where I'll be on Monday in surgery. But, you know what? I'm in God's hands, and uh, I'm sure he has uh, He has plans for me, and uh, I look forward to those. Well, we uh, we will be hoping and praying for your uh, for everything to go well during that surgery, Hawkeye Howard. And um, again, hang in there, buddy, because uh, yeah, we need you here to uh, rile us up and uh, keep us keep us hey. level headed with the black and gold. Yes, uh, and hey, and also basketball season's coming up, and I all I got to say is, uh, you know, the rankings and everything are really good preseason. But I always, my father always says, and it's an old saying in Iowa, don't get your cart before the horse. And uh, they're really good kids for basketball, but I hope the I hope the basketball season goes really well, and I look forward to seeing that and talking to the coach here. So, all right. We'll be here, Hawkeye Howard, and you, uh, like I said, you focus on your health and get back to uh, doing what you do. Driving all right. Yeah, well, driving around this area. So, yeah. All right, everyone, uh, be safe and uh, go Hawks. All right, sir. Take care. All right, Hawkeye Howard, we're wishing you all the best, sir. I appreciate you calling in uh, for the post game show. Again, uh, if you want to interact with us this afternoon, call in by means of the link in the description below. By means of the link in the description below. Um, Danimal with the super chat. Hey, Corey, I'm writing back from Kinnick right now. Say what you want about the opponent, but Petrus played relatively well. There's no debating that. Uh, Petrus uh, did what he needed to do. Absolutely. And it's, uh, I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with <laughs> stating a fact. And, uh, you know, you're happy for Iowa. You're happy to get kind of, I don't want to say the monkey off the back, so to speak. I know that was an expression that the uh, commentators used during, at least on the TV broadcast. Um, is the monkey actually off the back? Well, I guess we'll find out next week. Um, again, I have my thoughts, but I'm going to wait till Coach Patterson gets here. I want to get his thoughts on this. But again, thank you, uh, uh, Danimal, for the super chat. Uh, Randy is here. Arlen Bruce prints $10 off with him scoring a touchdown today only. One of our generous sponsors, Randy Engel, in here. Uh, Lisa, Northwestern is absolutely terrible, so not a good way to measure how good your team is. Let's get to Zach, who's been on hold for a while. Zach, welcome back to the show. Thanks. How are you doing tonight, Corey? Doing okay. You know, it's a, it's a win's a win, and I hate saying that because uh, this was an impressive win, but uh, not a, you know against a, a bad team, albeit uh, yeah. a big team. So you got to you got to take what you get, and uh, they're they're four and four. They're two games away from bowl eligibility. Yeah, well, maybe they went to the women's exhibition game last night and got a little bit of motivation on offense. Did you watch that game? Yeah, they what? They won by eighty-one. I uh, seventy-nine or eighty-one. It was seventy-nine, I believe. Seventy. Yeah, it was pretty much a thumping. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, I was. I'm not going to turn this into a women's basketball show, but yeah, yeah. about the performance from the women last night. But uh, I think, I mean, granted, I think they could have scored more. I mean, settling for field goals, like what, they had red zone two or three times and settled for field goals. But 
defense was dominant as normal and uh, can't, can't be too displeased with the way the defense played today. Defense has been, I mean, has there been a, a day, a, a week where the defense hasn't shown up? I mean, this defense has been terrific every single game. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, they took, there were some lumps in the, you know, bumps in the road, so to speak. Uh, I mean, the Michigan game, they struggled to stop the run. And, uh, boy, they were really good against the run again today. Yes, they were. And even in the, and the past game to what, eight sacks today, I think, eight or nine sacks. So, um, now, Northwestern does give up a lot of sacks on a, yeah. on a weekly basis. They showed that graphic. But Evan Hall does run the ball relatively well, and that offensive yes. line at times can block well for him. So that was what I would take away. They they, they were able to bottle them up on the ground, and, uh, yeah, they made, made things hard in the passing game for sure. Yeah, and I think besides the last drive where I think Iowa had their second and some of their third stringers in, I think they did hold them to under 100 yards before that. Um, so... Um, and and like you like I said in the chat too, Drew Stevens, wow, fifty-four yarder. I think that thing cleared by two or three yards too. So I think they got a good one. He's terrific, and that 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 and you called it. <laughs> well, I didn't. I he's he's earned. He's worked his butt off, and um, I don't remember a freshman kicker. Again, I have to go back in history, but you know, rarely does a freshman kicker play right away. Yeah, he, maybe boy, Nick Caving did, but I'm not sure. His his kicks are straight as an arrow. Yes. Yeah, and they left no doubt today. Um, did it seem to you too that there were some times where Logan Jones was still about a half second slow on the snaps? Well, the one snap where he started moving before he snapped it. And yeah. <laughs> you saw that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's. He's he's still uh, he's still not there yet, but I think he collectively. I'm sure if you look at the game tape, you'd say that hey, he played better today overall than uh, than he has. I mean, that a whole offensive line that was a, I mean a group effort, and and we've seen so many weeks. There's you know Iowa has opportunities to bust good plays, and you have three or four guys who are in sync and and make their proper blocks, but it only takes one or two guys to screw up their assignment to. Yep. Make a run play breakdown or a pass play breakdown, and for the most part, Iowa did well from start to finish on up front today. Yeah, um, like I said, can't can't really complain about a win, even though like I mean, Northwestern is some sort of a dumpster fire right now. But you know, maybe this can bring back the confidence that this offense kind of needs because defense doesn't need any motivation to keep playing like they do, but the offense sure does. I agree. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have played Padilla towards the end when the game was pretty well in the end, but that's just me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm done talking about uh, just for the record. I'm moving forward. I'm done talking about the quarterback situation because, yeah, I'm just so tired of it. I just am so worn out by it. Yeah, and I can yeah, it's 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 almost a worthless thing to talk about because it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and again. Nothing against Val Pizza play today. Nothing against that right. at all. But I, I just it, it's it's clear there's nothing Peaches can do. Job. Yep. I mean, there's nothing you can do in the on the field. Yeah. And, so. and, and yeah, I'm with you. On, I almost had to mute my TV today because I got tired of hearing Brock Osweiler, you know, saying. I think he said once Padilla was norm is normally pretty accurate. And I'm like, um, what games are you watching? 
<laughs> well, yeah, they, they're uh, no, those, they were they were pretty pro Iowa. I'll just say that. Now again, I, when you win by twenty, I, I get it to an extent, but boy, there was nothing bad on nothing bad at all on the minds of Brock Osweiler and what is it uh, Amin Anish or whatever his name is. Yeah. Oh, and an answer to screenwriting mentor. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to answer screenwriting mentor. He says uh, about the offense today still doesn't have an identity. And I would agree. I mean, this is what yeah. they want to do. They did what they want to do. But the problem is when they've played a defense that's, that bottles them up on the ground, That's they can't do anything through the passing. They can't pass to open up the, the run. That's the issue. They're so dependent on the cohesion of that offensive line. And they're just not good enough up front. Now, some people would say they took a huge step forward. We'll see. But until they do this against a, a good front seven, I'm not convinced of that. So um, until they can do that screenwriting mentor, I'm not convinced the identity is secure. But again, they did what they needed to do today. Yeah, I think that's all I had, Corey. So I'll, I'll sit back and, and hopefully listen to, you know, listen to you guys with Coach Patterson. And have a great evening. Sounds good, Zach. Thank you. All right, let's add Jared here to the uh, show who's been on hold. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey, how you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Good. It's been a depressing past three weeks with uh, them losing um, in embarrassing fashion. So I figure I'd give you a call with a proper victory this time and share some thoughts. I appreciate it. So what, what, what are the thoughts? Well, first and foremost, I wanted to send my thoughts and prayers to Hawkeye Howard. You know, he's one of the, from the Hawkeye of the Storm, you know, regulars and part of the brotherhood. So I hope he is doing well as, as um, you know, he's having his issues too. So just wanted to yeah. say that. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed today's game. It was a, a breath of fresh air. However, it did feel to me like a little bit of fool's gold. And unfortunately, I kind of thought this would happen. You know, they're playing the worst team in potentially the Power Five. Well, probably the Power Five, if not the FBS, right? They might be. So, you know, there was, you know, even on their worst day, they were going to probably look good against Northwestern, right? Well, I don't know about that. That might be a little unfair to say on their worst day. I mean... I don't know how bad is Northwestern. I, I don't know. I mean, I know they beat Nebraska, but I mean they've 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 lost seven straight, including my, against Miami, Ohio, Southern Illinois. Um, no, they're but that's a bad football team. I I still think Iowa played well. I don't think you can take that away from Iowa, but it's just so hard to rate. I, again, I'll be interested to see what what Don has to say, but I, I agree. And it's it's nothing is um, proven to me until I see it at least against Purdue. If they go on the road at Purdue next week and do this, now Purdue's given up some points here or there, but they have a better pass rush. Um, their secondary is better than Northwestern's, not even close. Uh, now, but again, they've given up something. I remember watching the Nebraska-Purdue game and uh, Stanley, or whatever his name is. Uh, is that That's not his name. That's the... Uh, Sullivan? Or no, I'm sorry. That, you mean no, Nebraska... I'm trying to think. Tan, is it Tanner? Not Tanner Morgan. That's the guy from Minnesota. Whoever their star uh, receiver is, whose name escapes me, just torched Purdue's secondary a few weeks ago. So they can be had, but I just think uh, it's going to come down to can Iowa run the football? And if they can't run the football, I mean, I, I said going into this game, Jared, if you watch my preview, I said, 
Northwestern gives up rushing yards to everybody. If, if Iowa can't run the ball against them, they can't run the ball against anybody. So they ran the ball better today. If you look at their final numbers, Iowa ran for uh, 173 yards, which is not out of this world great, but it's solid, and 4.8 per rush. Those are good numbers. And um, as far as uh, Petrus is concerned, um, see, I'm seeing five carries for one yard. So how many sacks? Is that actually five sacks? I don't think it's five sacks. He got past the line of scrimmage a few times. So I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, buy into the stock right now, uh, Jared. But if they do it next week, I'll, adm- I'll have to admit that they have taken a step forward. But until I see it next week, I'm, I'm hesitant. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think next next week will be the true litmus test. I, I'm not convinced this team is any different than the team we saw the last three weeks or from the beginning of the year. They, their offense is still the same thing that we, you know, I, I, I can't, for me, the same, you know, Brian Ferencz is in charge and and they, they trotted Petrus out there again and had a, you know, he, he performed well against a very bad team today. Now it might give you know Hawkeye fans some hope, which which it seems to have done. But next week will tell us a lot, and then especially the week after against Wisconsin. I think I think after these next two weeks, we'll we'll truly know you know the status of this team and what the future holds. Definitely, and look, Wisconsin is none of the teams left on their schedule are unbeatable. But again, as of right now, I would still favor Purdue. I'd favor Wisconsin, and I'd favor Minnesota. So, could they win any or all of those games? I suppose, because the Big Ten West just isn't very good. But they could also lose every one of those games. They could lose to Nebraska. I mean, they really could. I know Nebraska lost Northwestern, but this is a different Northwest. That I don't know what happened in Ireland. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I watched that game. That's a different Northwestern team. Um, I think Nebraska's a better team now, although they're getting... I think they lost to Illinois. So, um, I... They could lose to everybody in their schedule, or they could beat everybody in their schedule. But I'm still not bought in yeah. the offense. If the offense is as bad as it's been, I would lean much closer to the notion that they'll lose to everybody on their schedule than win. Yeah. So, I, you know, again, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid by any stretch of the imagination. And final question for you, Corey, is do you do you feel like today was just a result of them playing a very bad team, or do you truly think they showed any form of improvement? Again, I, I I would say a little of both, Jared. Um, I'm until I see until I see next week. I'm going to attribute most of this to the fact that Northwestern is awful. Um, but again, all you can do is what you can do, right? I mean, they did what they needed to do. They didn't shoot themselves in the in the foot. I thought Brian called a, a pretty conservative game. I mean, how many passes did Spencer complete of more than ten yards? You know, like or I should yeah. say that he passes down the field of more than ten yards. Deacon, I'm not talking about a yards. I'm not talking about yards after catch, but they, they don't run those. Corey, they don't run those plays. I mean, if you look at the playbook and what they do, they well, when when is he ever going down the field? I you know, yeah, but I'm that, that's my point. So, you know, those plays worked today. Um, I was confused at the defensive plan by Northwestern at times. Why why the defense? Why the uh, corner? Why Northwestern's cornerbacks were giving Iowa a five-yard cushion on every pass play early. I don't quite understand that. Uh, to me, I would make Iowa beat you over the top instead of you know, pick you apart like Iowa did in that first quarter. But, I, you know, Iowa did what they needed to do. Brian called the 
a, you know, a good game, I guess, um, you know, good enough to score 33 against a bad team and we move on. Yeah, I suppose you're right. <laughs> well, thanks for the call, Corey. Appreciate it. I'll be tuning in to all your, all your posts and um, we'll, we'll look forward to next week. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Jared. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, we've got uh, OS for Hawks on hold. Again, if you want to join the show, click the link in the description below. Coach Don Patterson will be joining us here in minutes. Let's get to OS for Hawks, who's on hold. Welcome to the show, sir. Good evening, Gordon. And we have a victory today. A uh, couple, couple points I'd like to make. Um, one, I think Caleb Johnson should be getting more touches than he is. Um, he's... When he gets the ball, he seems to produce better than that. That's just my opinion. Um, secondly, as much as we like to bash our starting quarterback, I think when he plays well, we have to give him credit. Uh, Petrus was accurate today. Um, granted, that may be because the defense and there wasn't a lot of pressure, um, but you know he it was accurate. He put the ball there when it needed to be. And I think that's one of the reasons why we won the game. One other point is the offensive line played as well as I've seen them play so far this year. I would not call it great. I don't even know if I would call it good, but they performed better today. Oh, it was um, definitely the best performance of the season. Definitely. Yeah. That's, to me, there's not even a question about that. You watch that Nevada game back. You know, they had two big Caleb Johnson runs, but I think they averaged like 2.2 on every other run. So, no, they were – they didn't have any huge, huge gainers today. Um, they were good on the ground and good in pass protection for the most part. Yeah, and, and I only noticed that today we had a large decrease in what I call breakdowns in blocking schemes. You know, I didn't see near as many today as I've seen – in weeks past, but of course, last week against Ohio State, you're you're talking top tier talent. I mean, you know, let's just face it. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I think Deontay Craig also needs to get some more playing time. And I know that he was hurt earlier and maybe that will be coming. But uh, I'm sorry. I did. I had background noise. I apologize. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good. But that. I appreciate your show. I, I love listening to you and Don. And uh, thanks for talking to me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Oz Fox. Appreciate it. And yeah, uh, I I, I, I want to make that clear. You do need to get, I mean, you can do whatever you want, right? As an Iowa fan, I think it's fair and deserved to give Spencer Petrus credit for doing what he needed to do today. He was not asked to do anything. Um, out of this world, he was not asked to throw the football deep down the field very much, really at all. Uh, they took a couple shots down down the field over the middle, and Petrus scared me a couple of times. But you know, he he made some throws along the sideline that were on target. Again, he 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 was a game manager. That is exactly the epitome of being a game manager. And I know Iowa fans don't like that term, but that's exactly what Kirk Ferentz wants. And against teams like Northwestern, it's going to work almost always, as long as the offense is not putrid. And they have been putrid almost all year. Today, they were not putrid. So we expect improvement every week. That's going to happen. And when you start at, in the basement, you're, the only way to go is up. 
how big of a jump? That's going to be the question that is going to be answered next week. But I think it's fair to credit um, Iowa for uh, what it did, and including Spencer Petrus. Uh, a lot of people who are uh, on the Caleb Johnson bandwagon, and, and I understand it. I, I still I made the comment here, I think before this, well, or maybe right after week one. Um, I'm trying to think when he actually saw the field. I think he saw the field week one. I think he'll be. I think he's got a chance to be the best running back Iowa's had since Sean Green. Uh, now that's not saying a ton. They haven't had a ton of great backs since Sean Green. I mean, who would you rank? I mean, Marcus Coker had the one year. You know, injuries uh, haunted him. There was Makai Sargent, Jordan Kanziri, uh, you know, Lashawn Daniels, Akram Wadley, Tyler Goodson. I think Caleb Johnson has an opportunity to be Iowa's best running back since um, since Sean Green. I really do. Uh, BJ, um, the only call in line tonight is in the description. So click the little link in the description below to jump on the show. And of course, we'll have Don here uh, who is uh, on his way back to his home base from the game. Um, I see people here, including it uh, looks like Dean says, uh, I think Iowa will win their last four games. All country boy, I can guess who will be running behind next year. Iowa misses a true big mauler. I can guess who we will be running behind next year. Iowa misses a true big mauler. Um, Okay, I don't quite get understand that, but uh, I think Caleb Johnson has an opportunity to be somewhat of a mauler, if you will, unless you're talking about an offensive lineman. Uh, M. Finn says... uh, I'm trying my best to be excited about the win today, but it's tough. We did what we should have done against a really bad Northwestern team. Hopefully, this springboards into the rest of the season. All Country Boy makes the comparison to Sean Green. Absolutely. And John, yes, he does glide. And how about this? John asked the question uh, in the chat um, about X getting more playing time. So Xavier, Xavier Wampa. I did see him on the depth chart, right? I think it was this week's depth chart or, or last week's depth chart where he showed up for the first time on the two deeps. Um, I think they've got just a plethora of really solid defensive backs. Xavier's young. I expect him to start next year, but Castro's played well. Kayvon Merriweather has been really, really, really good this year. Quinn Schulte has been really good. Um, they are just loaded. And yes, somebody brought up Iowa did add, and I haven't produced any content on it yet, a video coming here in the next uh, day or two. Um, I believe it's Ontario Thompson, Iowa Western co-defensive tackle, who will be playing at Iowa in 2023. He committed at about midnight last night, and that's good because Iowa's going to be losing some guys up front. Um, Now, I'd have to go back and look at the, for instance, let me grab, uh, I'm just curious on Noah Shannon. Because he's a, he's a perfect example of a guy who's playing really well, and he's not really getting a whole lot of attention because he's just playing a position that's not going to be real flashy. But he is playing really solid. Up the Let me get rid of that dumb ad. Uh, okay, so he could come back, right? He could come back. He's in his senior year, but he could come back. Frustrating that he played five games in 19, one short of uh, potentially being uh, be able to redshirt that year. But you know, I don't know what, what his NFL draft stock is like. He could come back. Now, that would be huge. Um, another example of a guy, it would be Logan Lee. Uh, Logan Lee, I believe, I'd be wrong, but I believe Logan Lee is a junior. Um, 
Yes, he's a junior. So Logan Lee could come back. Um, again, what's his draft stock? I know he's married. He's probably, you know, that's going to affect, you know, he's got a family to think about now. But um, my point is they they are going to be fine next year defensively, I think, across the board. Riley Moss will be gone, but Cooper DeGene will be back. I think TJ Hall is going to be really good at corner. Yes, they have they have Wampa. Uh, and, and most of those, I mean, Kayvon, you know, Kayvon Merriweather is another one. I'm just curious. I know this isn't the last game of the season, but it kind of struck my struck a chord with me and I'd like to just refresh my own memory as we're on the air here about um, eligibility. So Kayvon Merriweather could come back. There's going to be some decisions. Um, he uh, he only played in one game in 19. So technically he's a redshirt junior, I believe. So he could have two years if he wanted them. I think his draft stock might be higher than the other guys I just mentioned, simply because he's got the intangibles Um you know, at six foot, six foot one, he's a, a bigger back, defensive back. And um, I could see him playing in the league. He's had a really good year. So, uh, again, as it relates to your question, uh, John, yes, X will continue to see the field. Obviously, he'll see the field more next year. But either way, um, they're they're deep. And that's credit to Phil Parker and uh, that defensive staff. Let's add Micah to the mix. Micah, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going, Corey? doing wonderful how are you well i'm doing pretty good um i i i guess i have a big question it's nice to get a win first of all against northwestern they've been a thorn in our side going way back it's nice to get a a w against them but um it it felt to me a lot like nevada 2.0 but maybe even a little worse because you know that france is going to use this as justification for you know, everything he's been saying, you know, over and over. And I hate to be that way as a fan. It, it kind of stinks, but um, it's a little bit cynical. I can't enjoy the win as much as maybe I would. But my question is to, I guess there's a lot of people saying, you know, give Spencer Petrus credit. He did, you know, he played really well today, etc. My question to, I, this is to you, but it's to everybody really. Why at Iowa do we consider 220 yards and one touchdown a good performance? Like, if you really think about it, what has been the, over the Ferentz era, and I'm go, let's go back 20 years, what has been the weak point of the, of the, of the three offense, defense, and special teams? What is typically the weak point of Iowa? It's our offense. That's typically what holds us back in terms of fulfilling the potential of what the defense could actually provide for us. Why is it that we as a fan base believe that being this field general is like the apex of quarterback play? Like, if you think about well, it, I don't, I, I don't. Well, well, I mean, but why do, why do Hawkeye fans in general, or how do, how do we get to this point where it's like, Spencer Petrus is 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 not good uh, under any definition of the word good. Um, well, because if okay. all you have to do is look at what other teams have done against the teams that he does well against, and they do even better. Micah, can we agree? He played well today. Well, that's the case. What's the definition of well? Well, what more? What, what more do you he, want him to he do? Did, he didn't. What more do you he want didn't him to screw do? any. He didn't screw anything up. Okay. But what uh, I'm asking you, based upon the calls that were made from the sideline from Brian Ferentz, what more do you want Spencer Peters to do? Well, that's a good. That's that, 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 that. Yeah, I mean, that's 
that's that's part of it right there or i would say that's the that's most of it right is it's the the entire offense is designed to create this very average quarterback play like sure. i mean you you watch you watch yeah. other college football quarterbacks you, you you see what like Hendon Hooker did and some of those other guys. We used to we we had a guy like that, Brad Banks. You saw what he did. And it's like um I don't know, you, you watch Spencer Petrus play and it's like all that he's required to do is is throw short stuff. You know, he's not he's not making pro passes that you're like, Oh my goodness, that was a pass. Well that's because you know, they don't what, have as much as they want to keep trotting him out there. You think they have a ton of confidence in Petrus? They're not going to call um, a game where it gives yeah, it puts him in a position to. I don't, I don't really think they do. Well, and I, also I don't know. Think, I, I, you know what? I don't. That's that's like, that's part of my question. I don't know what the coaches have confidence. I don't know what they really have confidence in because they don't. They really don't ask. They don't ask him to do much. And then, but then when that when our team struggles, like in a game like this, it was, you know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to criticize because it's like, well, we won. You know, we won in a landslide. Do you want him out there throwing eighty-yard bombs? But then when we lose, it's this type of play that's holding us back. So I guess I'm—I don't know. Maybe that's the question: well, is what? What? That, this isn't our ceiling with the quarterback with 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 offensive play. It's our ceiling with this quarterback. Facts. Yeah. That, that, that part I mean, it is true. just as is. I'm not trying to rip Spencer Petrus, but this is this is what Spencer Petrus needs to be a quote unquote a successful quarterback. Go back and watch the last six games of 2020. This is exactly what he did in 2020. What he did to contribute to the six wins that that Kirk Ferentz falls back on. They ran the ball well. Iowa normally does not run the ball well. So, with that being said. I still attribute a lot of the struggles to quarterback play because Nate Stanley didn't have great run games. Uh, even CJ Beth, they ran the ball okay in 15. He didn't have a, a great running game. Uh, Stanzi didn't have a great running game. I mean, that 2009 year, they won a ton of games, and I understand the defense was really good again. They couldn't run the ball. Adam Robinson was okay. He was a freshman. Brandon Wager was a freshman. Those guys were okay, but the run game was not great. My point is, Micah, this quarterback room, specifically Spencer Petrus, because we we're, it's clear that Alex Padilla is not going to get a fair shot in a game. Uh, Spencer P Petrus is not capable of compensating, even to some minuscule degree, for a bad run game. And the fact of the matter is, today, the run game worked. I mentioned the stats earlier. They averaged, what, 4.8 on the ground. So if you bring that number to 2.6... Spencer's not going uh, 21 of 30 for 220 when a touchdown because when the pressure's on, he doesn't have time and he's behind the chains and he's playing with a close score. He's playing from behind. He has proven time and time again that he's not up to that task. And I'm not ripping him for it. I'm just saying I think it's clear. And I'm, I think most people, I think most people realize this, including you, he needs all these things around him to be working. For him yeah, to no, be adequate as a game manager, I, I agree with that 100%. That's why I had said earlier, you know, if we can get the rest of the teams the way out to count to three Mississippi before they rush the passer, you know, like we used to do in touch football. Hey, you know, Petrus is my guy. But do you think that if the if the offense, like, let's say we got a quarterback in here who who just blew it up and was, I mean, 
it gets down to, uh, you know, third and, and short or second and short, and the other team is fearing what he's going to do because he can throw it down the field. Our offense is starting to score 30 or 40 points in a game. Do you think that would really hurt the defense that much? Because that's kind of the mentality as well. Hey, if we had like a high-powered offense, the defense would suddenly not well, be as good as they are. Here's my and, and here's my one criticism for today. Okay, uh, they were up twenty to zero at halftime. Um, they did score on the Arlen Bruce run, but to me, they never really looked like they were playing aggressively. Right, like the first three waist downs, they ran the ball. For, I think it was second and one on the first drive, they run the ball. That ain't's not going to cut it against Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue. That's not. They're not going to win games running the ball on second and one with this offense. I really don't believe that. Now, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but see, that's the thing Wisconsin in their typical years can get away with. I just don't think – I think as as well as they ran the ball today, they're, they're not going to be able to – they're not going to have those big holes – these next three weeks. So that's my one criticism, Micah, is we got to start trying to be more aggressive. We've just got to. And I've been saying that for years, but this is the time. This is the time. And Brian's future is very much hanging in the balance. You know, and I know most fans would have had him gone a long time ago. I wanted him gone. I've said that before. I wouldn't have retained him last year. But my point is he has been allowed to to, to be here and the only way he can somehow remain the OC is I, I believe they have to get to at least seven and six. If they have a winning season, I could see Kirk finding a way to keep him on staff. And so I'm not telling fans to root against Iowa. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if I'm Brian and I'm Kirk, now's the time where I'm thinking, hey, if I want to continue this and I want, you know, I want to give Brian, Kirk wants to give Brian more time, we got to play aggressive because I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to run the football like they did today against Wisconsin and Minnesota. And yes, I understand when you get to second and one, second and two today, they converted, I think, almost every one of those. I mean, Iowa today, because they were ahead in the chains on third downs. Uh, well, actually, let me pull that up. They were 5-11. So actually not great. So in total, they were yeah. 6 of 12 on critical downs. So fourth, third and fourth downs. But yeah. I'm telling you, just because you're converting second and ones, and Don Patterson, you know, he's he's great authority on, on waist downs. Um, unless you can effectively run the football um, throughout the entire game, I don't care if you can get a yard on second and one. That proves me nothing, and it really doesn't give you anything. I, I just don't. I, I understand you're not going to take advantage of every waist down, and I've went on these rants before. I was it's just I'm watching the game early, and I see them run on second and one, and I'm thinking, why? What What is the reason? And maybe it's to give yeah. that offensive line confidence that that they're run blocking well. I guess that's. That's maybe a reason, but boy, why not take a shot on second and one and then give that offensive line a chance on third and one to get that one yard? Those, are, the, think, those are my frustrations with play calling. Let's say we had a player, a quarterback like C.J. Stroud or Aiden O'Connell or, or you know, uh, an upper echelon bigger Big Ten quarterback. What do you think that – do you think that the play calling would be any different? Uh, Well, <laughs> that's a loaded question because I don't think that ever recruit somebody like Stroud. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just don't. Football. <laughs> well, I mean, they've re- listen. I'll give them this: they have recruited mobile guys these next three years, but nobody likes C.J. Stroud, and they never be able to land anybody to that caliber. But well, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm, I mean, my question isn't C.J. Stroud specifically. It's just an upper echelon quarterback that has the skill to do, 
hey, has the skill to like put a team on his back and charge down the field against a good defense. And you know, would the play calling though be similar? In other words, are, are is this just the way that games the, that we call plays, or is it based on the talent that's here? Does that make sense? No, it's the way we play game. It's the way we call games. It's the way it's listen. I don't see any difference in my, my, my through my eyes. I don't see any difference with how Brian Ferentz is calling games with Spencer Petrus at the helm as opposed to when Nate Stanley was at the helm. I don't. Do you? No, the difference was no, no, I really don't. No, you're, you're right on that. The difference is better than Spencer Petrus. Nobody's going to yeah. argue that. Yeah. Nate Stanley could avoid, avoid the rush a little better. I mean, it, he had a he, he was a better quarterback for sure, but and he also had T.J. Hawkinson. No offense, that always helps. Right. Uh, okay. Well, I'll I'll hang up and let you go. I just wanted your opinion on that. Uh, but uh, Micah, no, just, good, just so good, you're good aware, today, but Micah, just so you're aware, you're getting destroyed in the chat. <laughs> you know what? I'm not I'm not at all surprised because I I this is this is why I lived look I lived in in Nashville for for ten years. And I'm. This is why the SEC is so much superior to the Big Ten. It's because the fans in the SEC do not allow this, and fans in the Big Ten do. We're loyal. We're much more loyal. We don't like bad things being said about our players. And you know, it is what it is. I live in Montana, so this stuff doesn't affect me. Where do you live? In, you might. You, can I ask you where you live in Montana? Yeah, I live on the very eastern side in in a small town called Sydney. Okay. Because I used to have family in Helena, so I just was curious. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, and you and you pronounced it correctly. Most people say Helena, so I know you uh, no. know your stuff. <laughs> no, I know my stuff. I know my Montana stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Corey. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Good call. I mean, I I know you know people are frustrated. They want Micah to be bought in. I don't have any problem discussing that, and I'm not ripping Spencer. I'm not ripping anybody with by, by saying that. But the fact of the matter is, Spencer Petrus is what he is. And he can be a game manager effectively when he's got a run game. But I think we knew that in 2020. I don't think that's changed at all. I don't think there's been any massive improvement from Spencer Petrus that we saw from last week to this week. I think it's a function of the line actually, you know, dominated this game. Let's get to BJ, who's been on hold. BJ, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey. Thanks for uh, having me. I love the show as always. Um, Happy for the win, you know. I think Padilla would have been the same thing. Kind of would have would have done a good job too. But in looking at it, I've kind of just curious if if you had a mediocre offense that played Iowa's defense every week, do you, how do you think they would fare most often? Say that again. If uh, let's say a mediocre offense, say ninety offense, had to go against uh, our defense every game, how do you think they would look statistically? I would think pretty bad. I agree. And in looking at it, and I don't know if there's been a team in history, but we've played five top 10 defenses this year. Five top 10 defenses. The number one, two, five, seven, and nine defenses, according to the NCAA.com. Let's let's break this down here. Illinois is number one. Michigan's number two. Illinois is number one. Michigan's number two. Ohio State's number five. Rutgers is number seven. Iowa State's number nine. Rutgers NCAA. is number oh. com. Yep. Yeah, you're looking at so you're looking at total defense. Yeah, total defense. I don't think they're great teams, but those are good defenses. 
R- I think it, Rutgers. I, I've said this when Iowa beat Rutgers. I think by the end of the year, that number will be. I think they'll slip. I'm not saying I agree. they will, but they, they were eight games in. We're eight weeks in. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, again, our offense is horrible, but it seems like a horrible storm that we have five five top ten defenses that we played in eight games. Like we looked okay against Rutgers. We didn't do anything, but again, we're horrible. I agree, but I think in myself. Just looking, taking it a step back a little bit. We have had a pretty tough schedule. We lost to the number two team, got killed. Played Michigan pretty tough for a little while, top five team. Illinois, I think we're finding out, is a lot better than we thought. Iowa State was the bad loss. We shouldn't have lost to them. Um, Again, not happy with where we're at. Wish Padilla started today. Um, Almost in, in the camp where we need to make a change, so... Not that I'm rooting for us to lose, but um, I think, and just me thinking again, like I had said at the start, we knocked out a lot of quarterbacks last last year. I think, what, the first four games, the quarterback didn't make it through the whole game type of thing. And that's what our offense has, to, has been going through a lot of this year is playing those top-tier defenses. So it's, it again, we suck, but... It, I think part of that is we play good defenses. So you've no, that's a valid point. The the problem with the argument, BJ, and I'm not telling you you're wrong because you are right. You're giving me data, and I appreciate you giving me data because that's better than people calling in and saying ah, you know. Anyways, uh, the problem with your argument is South Dakota State is not a great defense. They're not great, but they are the number one rated team in the FBS, which the FBS has beaten uh, some decent F. I'm sorry, FCS has beaten some FC, FBS. We should have scored again. That was you're right. That you're, yeah, goes you're, against my uh, my whole thing there because we and they score a touchdown and they struggled to run the ball against. Besides those two runs, they really struggled to run the ball against Nevada, who's terrible. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. And what game am I missing there? Iowa State. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. So it's I no, it's South Dakota State, Nevada, mm-hmm. and now Northwestern. Those are the three non-top five teams. Not yeah. top ten, top ten teams. We scored 20, 20, or 27, 27, and thirty-three against them, though, right? So points-wise, we've been respectable. Well, let's remember. The defense scored 14 yes, against Rutgers. Yes, very true. Yes. Um, BJ, I'm curious. Do you have those numbers in front of you still? Uh, yeah, let me just. Did I lose you? Uh-oh. BJ, are you with us? Hey, sorry, Corey. Can... Yep, yep, I, I got you back. Sorry, yeah, I must not be able to minimize. I pulled it from NCAA.com. Um, so when I try and flip out of my phone, it doesn't let me talk. So Sure, I got you. I, I just was curious, and I can look this up. I just was curious, where Wisconsin, where Minnesota? Um, yeah, Minnesota's like, I think, top 20. Um, Wisconsin, I believe, is like 38 or 39. So solid, but they're not. The top five defenses in the Big Ten we have played. According to NCAA.com. All country boy taking a shot at me. I didn't know what you meant, all country boy. I didn't know if you meant. 
<laughs> a mauler at running back or a mauler up front. I'm sorry. Anyways. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna get a litmus test this week because uh and I guess again I can pull those numbers up, but uh no, those are those are valid points. They have played good defense. Yeah. I'd be curious if yeah, who's who in the last ten years has played five top ten team defenses in the first eight weeks for any college team. It's it's just seems like a perfect storm of our horrible offense, which helps towards stats that make those teams look better, obviously. But um so yeah i just uh like you said we'll find out more in the next couple weeks we're not going to be great but i think it could be potentially a little bit better than what i initially thought maybe two or three weeks ago so yeah and then lastly Corey, i apologize last time i got a lot of heat and i phrased it wrong so i apologize i had mentioned padilla's um last week when he went in he may have not been feeling as much pressure i should have said pressure maybe i didn't Everybody, obviously, going into the game feels a ton of nerves. As a quarterback, I feel, to me, when I played sports, I had more pressure on me if I was expected to win versus coming in and playing carefree because I knew we were supposed to lose by 40 points. So that was my point. I think Padilla should have started earlier, too. But as an athlete, pressure-wise, I – I have less pressure when I go in knowing that we're not expected to do anything. So it's kind of like, but the coaching staff is the exact opposite though, because they don't give him a chance. So I see where you're coming from too. He's playing less for the fans and more to make the coaches see that he can play. And there, there could be some pressure that he feels because he isn't getting a fair chance. So, and regardless of all those other variables, uh, BJ, th- this was my point in, in responding to your comment. Regardless of, the, of those other variables, is, is is it reasonable to think that perhaps Alex Padilla last week in the second half against Ohio State, is it reasonable to think that he perhaps thought, this is my one chance to prove the coaches wrong? Yeah, very true. Very true. And that's, that's what I was looking at through, yeah. through Alex. And, I was looking and, fan fan fandom, and you're looking coaches, and coaches what matters. So you're right in regards to they they're not getting my fair shot. So – so I just wanted to clarify a little bit. Obviously, nerve-wracking. Obviously, you're probably more right because the coaches obviously didn't give him a chance again um, today. So it was evident oh. that they're too short of a leash for him. But yeah. Well, BJ, I, I appreciate your phone call, and you're welcome to call in any time. Love to yeah, hear from you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks again, Corey. Love the show. See you. Thanks, sir. All right. We've got uh, Coach Don Patterson, uh, RDHV. Where's Don? Here's Don. We've got Don. How about that? His wish is, is your command, Don. <laughs> nothing better nothing better than a routine win. All right. Nothing better than a routine win. And the commonality on this show so far, Don, is uh, do we actually believe that this team is improved or is it simply the result of an opponent? I've been saying, in my opinion, is that it's a combination of both. You can't discredit what Iowa did today. Spencer Petrus did what he needed to do. I thought Brian called a very, very, very conservative game. Uh, And it worked because, in my my humble opinion, Northwestern is a bad football team. I don't know how they've become this bad, uh, but they got pushed around all day on both sides in the trenches. Just your overall takeaways from Iowa's uh, 33-13 win. Yeah, when you get this deep in the season, Corey, as you're aware, um, you know, I 
I work up the analytics for the entire Big Ten Conference one week to the next. But we're deep enough in the season now. I also took a look at the four conference games that had already been played by Northwestern. Then I looked at those 25 parameters and asked the obvious question, if you won the parameter, did you win the game? And you know what I'm trying to do, of course. I'm trying to find parameters that are 100% reliable and predicting a winner. There were actually five of them. Five of those 25 were all um, on the side of the winning football team. And I'll tell you what those five parameters were. The first one I didn't think mattered very much. That was total offense. But the other four mattered because they all related to each other. And I'll tell you now what they were. They were rush offense, rushing attempts, made first downs, and time of possession. And what all those, all four of those point to, of course, is being able to run the ball and grind out first downs and keep the other team off the field. Uh, we won four out of five. The only one we didn't win, it's we really won that one as well. But officially, they had 37 rushing attempts. We had 36. The only difference is seven of their rushing attempts were sacks. Uh, so in that regard, we did call more running plays than than they did also. And is it any wonder that we won the game based on the fact that those parameters had held up in all four games? What do you think of Spencer Peters today? I think he had a much easier assignment than he's had recently, simply because we control the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, it was so it was so gratifying to see us have good running lanes all over the place. And our backs did a good job, too. And that's why we ran for 173 yards. I don't recall the averages, but since I was delayed in getting on because of the stats, I'll sh- share them with you now. Uh, our rush offense, Caleb Johnson, 14 carries for 88 yards, 6.3 average. LaShawn Williams, 11 for 43, 3.9. Then, of course, we had a lot of success on the fly sweeps. Arlen Bruce, um, three for 27, 23-yard touchdown. Nico Regani, one for 12. Uh, Brody Breck, one for four. So we ran any number of fly sweeps. And I thought Spencer did a better job of, of buying time, extending plays. You saw that a time or two. He could have been sacked certainly more than once. But to his credit, he pulled through, um, got rid of the ball, threw it away if he had to, whatever the case, but avoided sacks except for once. Uh, Sam Laporta, his usual productive day, targeted six times, caught five for 53. Nico, Nico targeted six times, as was Sam, uh, four catches for 66 yards. So that was good to see that he got involved. Um, Deontay Vines, here it says Deontay. I thought it was just Dante, but it is, is it Deontay? Is that right? Yep. Deontay Vines, he looked comfortable out there. Uh, he only had two catches for for 22 yards, um, but he still looked comfortable out there. And there was one play, I'd, I'd be curious what the TV replay showed, Corey. I thought he bobbled it before it was broken up. Did he catch it clean? You know the play I'm thinking of? Right yeah, there in front of our uh, bench. I don't want to say definitively. I, I saw it on replay. I thought he bobbled it as well. I was going to. I would count it as a, a drop for what I saw, because he yeah. didn't catch it clean. If he caught it clean and then he had it 
The only the only criticism I'd have on with uh, Spencer on that play is he probably could have put that ball a little bit further outside, but it was a pretty good throw. Yeah, but it didn't give the the defender a chance to to um, to contest the ball. But anyway, um, I thought I think Spencer would tell you himself. Uh, one reason they played better is I could, I felt comfortable in the pocket, and we were ahead of the chain so much of the time. Incidentally, we still didn't use a waist down, I don't believe. I remember one time fairly early in the game, second and one, we ran the ball. I was hoping, of course, for play-action pass. Uh, but all things considered, we controlled the line of scrimmage, which made the game so much easier for both Brian and for and for Spencer. And, of course, uh, one thing our defense has proven, if you'll give us a lead, we're going to be really effective at protecting that lead. And that's one reason you saw seven turnovers is because we knew they – they couldn't have the patience to run the ball. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't run the ball down her throat, which meant they had to go to the pass. And any number of times, of course, we really, um, even though the quarterback was mobile, we still uh, gave gave their, their pass protection fits with the way we pressured the passer. Um, and let's not forget number 18. You weren't surprised at all when that 54-yarder went through into a slight wind. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't surprised either. Maybe some of our fans were, but you and I were not because we believed in him ever since camp. He is going to be a great one, I think, Don. Now, I know it's I think so too. But I think he's going to be a great one. Um, he, might, he might already be a great one. I mean, he hasn't really been tested. I mean, he's passed almost every test. I think he's missed one kick. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. One kick all season. And uh, I wonder if Kirk is – and I know you hindsight's twenty twenty. I wonder if he – looks back at that Iowa State game and says, ooh, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we should have went with Drew on that kick. But, again, can't do anything about it now. Well, even if he didn't wonder, I'm sure we have some fans that are wondering the same thing. Um, Mod Fox V10. I think uh, I think Mod Fox V10 wanted to co- talk to you, uh, Coach Patterson. So, Mod Fox V10, call in. I think you said uh, that you – I think you said Mod Fox V10 that you played for Coach Patterson. So give us a call and uh, talk to your old coach here, Coach Patterson. If that's if that's in fact you who we're talking about, I, I think it is. I don't know that, but call in so that uh, you can talk to him. Um, David Bryan wants to know: Did you notice that Iowa ran more motion today than they usually do? We had what we call a, a lot of double set changes. Let me explain what that is. <clears throat> we're maybe jumping a formation changing the strength of our formation, and then following that up with motion also. Uh, we had a lot of fly sweep action, all kinds of swipe, fly sweep action, of course, and, and we had good success running the fly sweeps. But honestly, for every time we ran a fly sweep, we flew the wide receiver across the formation probably three other times. I think more often than not, we had motion associated with all of our plays. And that's fine as long as you can get the plays in quick and beat the clock. And we did a good job of that today. Um, we were much more on point with our play calling in terms of giving ourselves plenty of time to work with relating to the game clock. Uh, Erica, appreciate the super chat. Thank you, Erica. I'm very happy we got a W. However, our QB is still the same. We just played a horrific Northwestern team. I got I kind of got into a debate here a little bit ago um, with the caller, Don, because and I respect the caller's viewpoint. But what I said is, what else do you want? 
from Spencer Petras in a game like this. He's 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 running the plays that Brian Ferentz is calling. And Brian, I thought, played a new... Is it fair to say, Don, that he called an uber-conservative game? Is that fair to say? Well, um... How many throws, what are, how many throws of, of how many throws were made down the field longer than 10 yards? Not many. One thing I was going to comment on, 21 for 30 sounds good. Um, but to me, the, the positive aspect of it, it should have been a high percentage game for us, and it was. In other words, we did a good job of, of making all kinds of routine plays from a passing standpoint. Uh, there were a few balls that were thrown into tight windows. In general, they were broken up. Um, but um, so many of the high percentage throws uh, that we should have hit on, we did hit on. And for that matter, people would be surprised to, to learn this, but Northwestern actually threw for a better percentage today than we did, if only because they threw even more high percentage plays. They threw balls oftentimes behind the line of scrimmage, and yeah, they caught them, but we still defended them, and it really didn't amount to a whole lot of yardage either. So completion percentage is a misleading stat. Uh, ours was high, and it should have been high because we threw a lot of good high-percentage passes. Yeah, really really high-percentage passes. Um, so I'm not ripping Petrus. I'm just saying he did basically what he needed to do. And, Don, I thought he made some nice throws along the sidelines. He made a couple throws in the middle of the field that made me cringe because they almost looked like they could have been picked. Right. Um, I, to me, Don, I summed this win up the way I would have summed every win up in 2020. Spencer Petrus, in my opinion, needs – he's proven that he needs a running game around him no to, stay, to stay ahead of the chains and to allow conservative play calling, to allow him to be a game manager because he's not capable – he's not proven himself to be capable of making those pressure plays in big moments. And, I, again, not ripping him. I'm just saying – they got a run game today. And you can say whatever you want about Iowa. They averaged 4.5 a carry or whatever it was against Nevada. They had two big runs from Caleb Johnson. They averaged like 2.2 the rest of the game. This is the first game all year, Don, where they actually ran the ball effectively. Now, you want to blame the opponent? You can do that. That's fine. We'll see next week against Purdue if they've actually made, it, made a jump. But to me, it comes down to what Spencer had around him. So uh, it's not a rip on Spencer. It's not giving him undue credit. It just is what it is. Right. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, question here from Blocker Hawk. What did you think of uh, Vines and Breck today? Is there a future there? Um, I liked Br uh, both of them. Uh, I saw they tried to run a – I mean, they're young guys, right? Vines is coming off an injury. Uh, they tried to run a, a, a reverse pass with Brody Brecht, uh, who, of course, is a star pitcher. So – uh, those plays, I hate to say this, Iowa doesn't run enough of those innovative plays, but when they run them, they never seem to work. Well, we, we've discussed this. Let's talk about the reverse. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, the one I'm thinking. Yeah, well, it, we ran a – I know what it was. They ran a – they ran a uh, – not a reverse pass, I don't think, but a play action where they were going to throw back to the quarterback. You remember that one? Yep. We defended it well. And then our play, the one you're talking about, was a reverse pass. But here's what you got to realize. Um, our guy was covered. That's true. Well, he was covered because they were playing man coverage. So reverse passes in general are better off against zone coverage. Obviously, if you're manned up on a guy, you're probably going to run with him. 
uh, for a long time before you f- realize for sure that the ball is not coming his way. So we kind of wasted the play in a way because we ran it against man and our, our intended receiver was still covered because the defender may not have even realized that it was a reverse at that point in time. He simply knew I'm, I'm going to cover my guy. That's what I'm paid to do on that particular play. So my point is, you've heard me say before, Corey, don't waste the play. If you, if you think it's a lot better against zone than man and you see man coverage, then get out of the play. Turn around and call it again. So in that regard, we kind of wasted the play because um, our, our intended receiver was covered simply because they were manned up on him. All right. We've got uh, Randy and James. I promise to each of you we're going to get to you in just a minute. All right. Don't leave. We've got uh, Scott here, Scott Ludwig, who is with us. Scott, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know if you guys understand what it's like to, like, talk to Coach Patterson after uh, 20, 25, 26 years. Guy, uh, I mean, I didn't know a lot about football, but uh, you guys recruited me out of Kingfisher, Oklahoma. I don't remember that. You and uh, Coach Fry brought me in as a wide receiver, and I remember you, you were like, ah, you're too slow. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to talk about the past. I want I want to get to the point I want that, to that you'll Scott, agree you, with. Before you go on, Scott, I want – Don, do you remember this? Do you remember recruiting Scott from Kingfisher, Oklahoma? Scott, how long did how long were you on our team? Uh, two years, from nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety nine. Well, ninety eight. You know, the March through May, whatever. I tore my groin, and uh, basically, you guys said I could stay on the team, but being the perfectionist that I was, I didn't want to. You know, I was slowed. I was slow then, so six well, four, two hundred forty pound, eighteen year old kid. I didn't. didn't this much I know for sure. I've never been to Kingfisher, Oklahoma. I'm sure of that. Yep. You, I, I mean, I'm not saying you have. Have you been to? Well, you never got. You never came there to visit me, but neither did Coach Fry. Right. But uh, what I want to point out to these these. Uh, these fans, and I don't want to talk shit about the fans. Is you can't you can't, you can't judge the the players. Like we try as hard as we can, and you said this, and Fry said this. Judge us. Don't judge the players. They're trying as hard as they can to do what they're there to do. Well, I think people sometimes lose sight of the fact that. You're a student athlete. You go to class during the day. Exactly. Yeah, it's more than yeah. just the game you're, for them. You're, like, you're a part-time football player. You're not a full-time. Yeah, football yeah. Player. And that's what that's what people lose sight of, and that's that's what I really want to like tell a lot of these fans. And Corey, you know, you've got the platform to make that point. Let's let's let these kids play. Let's uh, if you're going to judge somebody. Not just the coaches. They're not doing good enough. They're not, you know, training the kids or whatever. No, you can't judge that kid. He's 19 years old. He's just he's doing the best he can. You're 45 years old sitting here drinking your beer. Don't judge him. You've got no Actually, right to judge those people. 
I actually spilled my beer during the game today. So. <laughs> I did too, but I was like, oh my God, we got a touchdown. At what point during the game, Corey, what kind of play caused you to spill your beer? I don't know. I just looked it, over. And it was, was probably the touchdown. I maybe I don't know. The rug, the, was, uh, the, the rug had beer on it. So I, I, I don't like when people hate on Petrus or say they want Padilla. Uh, Coach Ferentz said everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, Scott, I'm just curious, what coach – who was your actual – because Don obviously doesn't remember. Who was your recruiter? Who came to Kingfish to recruit you? Um, I actually was I, – I, I walked on. Okay. So – So you were already – I was from Kingfish, Oklahoma, and then I moved to Earlham, Iowa. Have you ever heard of that place? Speak who your roommate was when you were at Iowa. Uh, my roommate was uh, – this guy you might know, Matt. Oh, what was his last name? Sherman. He's maybe a quarterback or something. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was Matt, but I lived in uh, the uh, military barracks on the the hill. Because, Matt lived in, Matt because lived I was in, uh, ROTC also. So. I see. Navy for 10 years after. Uh, that's why I left. I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to join the, join the Navy, I guess. Are you still in touch with Matt? <laughs> no. But uh, I, am, I am in touch with uh, Jake Rudock and uh, Jordan Canzeri. I don't know if you know those guys. But... I don't because they came they came after we were done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Root, Jake actually lives like three houses down from me here in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Oh, you're in Florida now. Enjoying the yeah. warmth? Yep. Yep. Good. Well, Scott, I uh, appreciate you calling in, sir. And you're right. I think you do have to judge the coaches over the players. You're absolutely right. right. And uh, don't take this the wrong way, but it's uh, Coach Patterson. Is in it. He's, in, he's the guy that yelled at us in the bubble. So it's a little intimidating still. 20 some years later that uh, I'm talking to him. So well, the one thing you know, Scott, is we were just determined to make you as good as you could be. That was our yeah. goal. Yeah, you you uh you did. You made me into a, a pretty good guy. So thank you. Well, that was your goal and that was our goal for you and and it's good that um, it's worked out as well as it has. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, coach. You bet, Scott. Take care. Thank you so much. You too. All right, let's get on to Randy, who's been on hold. Randy, welcome to the show. Hey, how are we doing? Randy, one of our uh, uh, one of our advertisers here, one of our sponsors here on uh, our show from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Uh, Randy, you've never called in before, and uh, we're getting a look at the man cave down there in the Mitchellville basement. Yeah, I I didn't know if I was going to get it to work or not, but can you give it? Yeah. Can you uh, just pan your camera around so you can kind of anybody who hasn't seen it just kind of see behind you? So there's the man cave down there in uh, Mitchellville, and you've got signatures of. Uh, do you, how many? What signature? Do you have signatures from players in the Hayden Fry era? I'm curious. Um, I'm friends with Rodney Filer and Tavian Banks, but I haven't got him out here yet. I got to get Tavian but, down there. Yeah, I mean they they both work up at the Y in Des Moines, so 
but I, I work with work out with them sometimes. But other than that, it's been well. Chuck Long's been down here too, so Chuck Long's been down here and signed the caves. Sometimes it's kind of intimidating meeting somebody that you looked up to growing up, but Chuck Long couldn't have been a better person to to meet and and talk to. He, him and Tim Dwight. I had the privilege years ago of, of recruiting Rodney Fowler from University High School there in Waco, Texas. And he was a specimen then, and he's still a specimen, I, I have a feeling. He still looks like he could play, I'm sure. Yeah, he's he's also got a son that's on the Reavers, Western Iowa Reavers. I was aware of that. A good defensive lineman. He's got over 10 sacks this year. So one of his teammates just committed yesterday. Yes. Yeah, that was a good grab for Iowa at midnight. <laughs> so, yeah. Randy, what did you think of the game today? Uh, I enjoyed watching our offense look like what I've wanted to see it look like a little bit more. I mean, things looked a little bit more fluid. Spencer was pretty much on target for the most part, even even the ones that weren't caught. There was one where he threw it out of bounds down down inside the red zone that wasn't to anybody. There was a couple like that, but other than that, he was. it seemed like he was more on point, and he felt more comfortable today, it seemed like. And I think Don mentioned that the holes were there for – the running game quite a bit more than what they were. I mean, we were, of course we were playing Northwestern. I guess my biggest concern going forward is, are we going to say, okay, we fixed it now because we've looked really good against a Northwestern team that really is not that great. And is this going to be an excuse to not fix some of the problems that need to be addressed going forward, but it's a fair, it's a fair question. I mean, it, I, you know, I had somebody in the chat here earlier that uh, brought up, you know, the, the battle that fa some fans have Don, because some fans look at this and say, look, we understand what the offense is under Brian with Spencer Peters at, at the helm. We need change and we're not going to get change unless we lose. I mean, I, there are fans out there that feel that way. And, and how do you respond to those fans that are, not really that happy with a win. Does that mean they're traitors to the university? No, I certainly wouldn't call them that, but we're going to get a, a stiffer test next Saturday than what we got today. That's for sure. You know, Purdue's caused us all kinds of problems in recent years, and and I suspect it'll be a, a huge challenge to go to West Lafayette and win next Saturday. Uh, that's our goal, and um, but to accomplish that goal, we probably should count on improving some over this next week as well as we improved this past week. Uh, it, it's going to be a good test. What, um, what do you think on the defensive side of the ball that we need to do a little bit different next week against Purdue? Because it seems like they burn us with at least one receiver every time, whether it's David Bell or <clears> – <throat> Somebody else. It just seems like they always have. Well, one. this year it might. This year it might be a guy named Charlie yeah. Jones. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine nothing that a Purdue fan would rather see than Charlie Jones come back to haunt us 
next Saturday. We'll see. Charlie's a wonderful young man, and I'm happy for Charlie that it's worked out as well as it has. Um, a lot of our listeners are aware, but he and Aiden O'Connell were childhood buddies. So it's that's had something to do with them getting back together again to play college football. Um, but the thing that we, we all three know, and you've heard me say it before, Corey, I, I would suggest that Purdue does as good a job as anybody in this conference in game planning from one week to the next. So the only thing that comes to mind for me is that we probably better not be so predictable maybe as what our what our past has been because if we're predictable, then then uh, history shows that they'll have a way of getting at us. So we're probably going to have to change up a little bit just to throw them a few curves here and there to break up a drive here and there from a coverage standpoint. Whatever our tendencies are up until now, we should probably make an effort to change them a little bit in preparation for Purdue. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. It was good to see Arlen Bruce get in the end zone at the end. <laughs> He's one of my guys that that I'm working with with the Prince. So he's, he's a good kid. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's a future. I think he already is a leader. He's got a good head on his shoulders. So, um, Randy, I'm sorry. you you guys froze up for a little bit. Tell me what conversation I just missed. I would just say saying that it's nice to see Arlen Bruce have some success, get in the end zone today. He's a, he's a good young man with, with a good head on his shoulders. Absolutely. There's the Arlen Bruce print. That Arlen Bruce print that uh, Randy's done. So, yeah, those are available now at uh, Under the Kitchen. $10 off with uh, with him scoring a touchdown today. So There you go. Can't beat that. Randy, All right. appreciate the time, sir. All right. Thanks. All right. Have a great weekend. Appreciate Randy calling in. We've got our Ohio State fan in the chat. Murder Blaze Aegis is on the uh, on the prowl. Congrats on the win. Let's get to uh, James, who has been waiting on hold. James, welcome to the show. Good. How are you doing today? Are you angry today, James? No, I'm fine. I mean, obviously. You're not angry that I made you wait in the chat? No, no. Hey, that was just that one day. No, I was, was going to say something. Real- I was going to say something in the chat. Down, I know. Hey, someday, someday I'm going to say something in the chat just to pick on you again, buddy. You know that, right? That's fine. That's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> but no, as I say, I feel like the uh, the amount of like options we do to was a lot better today. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't just Laporta, Laporta, Laporta. It was like they were spreading the ball around a lot more, which I feel sure, like sure. obviously whether it's a team that's not great or not, you know. It's still good to get everybody active because maybe that will open some up for the future because it shows, oh, he's not as focused on just one guy. Oh, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Don, your thoughts on them spreading the ball? They did get the ball to, to Brecht and to Vines today, and as well as Reganey and to Bruce. And um, I still wish we'd take more shots. I said earlier before you jumped on, Don, we're not going to beat some of these. I don't think we're going to beat Purdue or, or Minnesota by running the ball consistently on second and one every time. I just, right. I don't understand the, the line that that that's the frustration for me today. They get up there in the first drive of the game, and second and one, and they hand the ball off. I, I just right. don't know what that accomplishes. <laughs> you I know? think we're in trouble of going back and charting all of our waist downs because it's safe to say we don't use them very often. No, no, and I and I asked Brian Ferentz this question after Week One. I said, well, Brian, why didn't we take more manage more waist downs? He said, Well. 
Corey, we didn't have very many waste downs. And that's a, I take that as an answer. That was a fine answer. He's correct. But now we're eight games in, and I'm just, you know, I'm I'm nitpicking here because this is a good performance out of a team that needed one. But they're going to have to take advantage of more waste downs. And for anybody that says, well, they didn't need to today, I just, I don't buy into that theory. I don't buy into that argument, Don, because I don't think it's a matter of just, oh, magically one day, oh, we need them, and now we're going to take advantage of them because we've proven that we don't in even the big games. And to me, there right. we should have piled it on. I mean, there, there's no reason to, not to pile it on, even if it's an, an overmatched team like Northwestern was. And they, look, they scored 33. I'm not complaining about the score or the margin, but I'm talking about aggressive play calling. I just wish there was a – I just don't think they've got confidence right now in Spencer's ability to get the ball down the field. Is that fair to say? Well, that doesn't make much sense because you've heard me say one of the best things he does is yep. throw the ball with accuracy deep downfield. You're right. And and maybe their concern is that we can't protect long enough. But, again, that's the whole reason behind using it on the waist down. Play action on the waist down, of course, they're not in pass rush mode anyway. So you, if you're ever going to have time to throw it down the field, it should be on a waist down. Especially, I feel like, especially against a team like that where – might be one of the worst defenses you play, so maybe it's a chance for you to look at, get a look for something, you know, maybe that could work in the future, and that's a game you don't even do it in. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. So I know, and I know people are going to rip me for being critical because, oh, you can't appreciate a 33-13 to 13 win. Well, I said it in the first drive of the game. I said, why are we taking advantage of waste downs? Why is it that we don't understand what waste downs are? I just, right. that's been an ongoing frustration for me, James. Well, well I like, no, like, for me, I know it's high school and high school and college are different, right? But like my junior year, our, our team we had a really good running back. Uh, he went to North Dakota State and like had three seasons where he ran for over a thousand yards in North Dakota State. Uh, he was on a team that unfortunately beat Iowa. But so for me, it kind of was like I didn't want Iowa to lose, but my one of the kids I went to high school with won that game, so I was happy for him in that respect. But like I'm saying, like that when we were in school, like our waist downs were obviously different because you have a really good running back, so it's hand him the ball, you know. Always done. Right. I feel like all the personnel you have, but here you don't really have. Caleb Johnson's going to be there. I feel like in the future, going to be really good. Like you said, I like everything I see from him. But like now, I think you got to kind of mix it up because you're even. You know what I'm saying? Both sides. You don't have like one great side of the ball or like a great running back and not as good receivers or a great receivers and not as good running back, if that makes sense. I feel like they're all even. So you got to got to do different things on waist downs. Yeah, I get you. Uh, I, like, I don't even. I don't even listen. I don't even throw the ball down the field eighty yards. Now I will say this: excellent point from Brandon KJ in our chat. We highlighted a guy who can clearly throw at eighty yards. Remember that viral video of him throwing without a pass rush back at, in the Manning uh, camp? <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Don, have they taken a shot? They've taken. They took some shots against Nevada, right? But then then right. it went away, and we haven't seen any more. I don't understand that. Can Don, can you explain that to me? If you were an offensive coordinator, Spencer Petrus, would you not make a concerted effort to get that ball down the field, utilize that big arm that he has? Well, up until today, I would say they're, they're probably their number one concern was not being able to protect long enough. Um, and then a second concern, I think probably a lesser concern, is do we have the receivers that can get over the top of the defense? Maybe they're concerned that we'll we'll call a play action deep throw and we simply won't be able to be open downfield. Maybe that's part of their concern too. Um, but the beauty of doing it in a waste down situation, of course, there is that element of surprise that 
eliminates some of the effectiveness of a pass rush and provides you with a better opportunity to get on top of the defense. And am I wrong in saying this, Don? I, I don't try to come on here and act like an X's and O's expert most of the time, right? So, But I'm, I'm going to ask you this, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Isn't second and one an excellent opportunity for play action, misdirection, rollout, right? And you have take a shot down the field. Isn't that a way to basic, I shouldn't say guarantee time to throw the football, but isn't that an excellent opportunity to give Spencer time, roll him out of the pocket and take a shot down the field on a waist down? Am I wrong on that? No, you're right. Now, the only way we roll out of the pocket typically is with what we call a naked. Right. You know, we'll fake one way and roll the other. And right. maybe we'll actually sucker the guy that's the end man on the line of scrimmage. So if we're faking left, we're suckering the guy that's over here on the right side. Uh, not always. Sometimes we we have protected nakeds, if you will, but sometimes they're true nakeds, you know, where we're simply not blocking a guy and suckering him inside. Um, the only negative about throwing the ball deep, typically a quarterback would have to come under control, set his feet to be able to throw it way down the field. And, of course, the pursuit might catch up with him by the, by the time he runs out of time. We did it against Penn State last year in the game-winning play to Nico Regani. You're correct. And he said he st- he rolled out, stopped, set his feet, and actually threw back across the field. Absolutely. So we, we can – you're right. Um, you know, a true naked, of course, you've got to keep running and get rid of the ball on the run. But is it also possible to roll out and set up and throw? And the answer is yes. You know, the blockers simply have to be aware of – of where your launch part is, and then they then they go from there, of course, to defend that that uh, launch point. James, I don't know if you watched, but I see the game was on, so I was looking. He does have twenty two points, just so you know. Keegan Murray, yeah, yeah, Keegan Murray. I see above twenty three. Said that he had fourteen in the first half, including uh, with two block shots yeah. guarding Tyler Hero yeah. and and. Uh, me buckets so uh wow it's 22 Last now and game. there's like less than four minutes left in the fourth but one thing i'm gonna say too with the offensive line looking better and Caden proctor being there i feel like i feel a little bit more at ease you know with because like he always scares me you know he's one of the recruits that always scares me about like what is the future hold for him especially that we were losing games but with the offensive line looking better and him being there and obviously a win i think that always makes everything feel a little bit better about him you know what i'm saying like especially they can keep looking good i think for sure he's intact to stay but like you never know so like i feel like the better it looks and him being there kind of makes me feel a bit more comfortable about the whole situation i get you yeah it's reasonable but uh it pretty will be interesting just because the charlie and tyrone obviously factor you know and i wonder i'm mean, gonna i think it's gonna be interesting to see how phil plays charlie with all the numbers he put up like how does he yeah. Does he go head up, head up on him and just be like, oh, well, Riley, you should know what he does because you practice with him for how long, you know, or just be like, have somebody over top. Probably somebody over top of him, I guess. But They're not going to be playing. I can't imagine. I don't think Phil Parker is prideful enough, Don, to, to – I don't think Phil Parker is prideful enough to play a bunch of man coverage against Charlie Jones. I would hope that he – I would think he would, learn, you know, understand from past seasons their struggles guarding – uh, containing Purdue wide receivers, and adi- you know, and pair that with the fact that Charlie's been sensational all year long. That they're gonna they're gonna try to keep Purdue in front of them, 
Why hasn't that worked in past years, though, Don? Because they've been so efficient in calling schemes to attack our coverages. They've been able to protect well enough, throw the ball with good accuracy, and catch it. So, you know, they just really know how to execute very, very efficiently in the passing game. They're one of the best in the conference at doing that. Yeah, and to me, I was like, when David Bell left in my head, like when he got drafted, I was like, yes, I don't got to worry about it no more. And then Chari went there, and now he's throwing up all these numbers, and it's like, dang, now another Purdue wide receiver you have to worry about. You know, so I was like, you got to worry about one. The one year there was that one guy who, I forgot his name now, but, like, nobody ever really heard of him, and he killed us. Yeah, you're thinking he's like of the third string guy. He's like the third string guy, whatever. Oh man, yeah. Um, well, but yeah, let's not forget that we never Iowa really never got burned by Rondell Moore. I mean, he's maybe yeah. the best receiver they've had there in and maybe ever. And it was the other dude that killed us. He was always hurt yeah. when Iowa played them. Right, so, he played that one game, but then the other guy hurt us. I thought he was gonna hurt us, but it was like that third string wide receiver or whatever, the slot dude that went for like 200 plus yards against us, and I was like, who is this dude? I never heard him yeah, before. I, I always forget his name, but it was a really weird name, and I, that was the game that yeah. Phil, I think I think he started, I want to say he started with, that, that wasn't a Desmond King year, that was uh, maybe Josh Jackson, yeah. went from Josh Jackson to Ojemudia, and then went to, from Ojemudia to DJ Johnson. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Like the, like the game I'm thinking of, it was in Kinnick. Yes, it was. Here's what I remember. I remember that they threw the ball to that one player Five out of six snaps, yes. and it produced two touchdowns. Remember yes. that? <laughs> yes, I do. And I it was remember. under the boundary all day long because I believe we had a field corner and a boundary corner, and they kept working on the boundary corner, whoever that was. One got burned. They put in another one. Yes, three. I know at least were there three. I knew there were at least two corners that got burned. Jackson, Ojemudia, and, and Johnson. And it was five snaps out of six. It was, I believe they were both three play drives, as I recall. Five of those six plays went to that one receiver, whatever his name was. I remember him as being a, a taller guy that that obviously had still had good ball skills. Everybody they play with from a receiver standpoint uh, is a dangerous player. Um, and for that matter, I'm, I'd be curious as to how our other transfer has been doing here lately. I, th- I think he's starting to play better. I believe he's been fairly productive, not as productive as Charlie, but but still had some good moments. I'll, I'll tell you who the wide receiver was. It was 2017 in Kinnick. Iowa loses. By the way, we'll talk about this in a second. Anthony Mahungu. That's who it is. Yeah. Anthony the name Mahungu, he had seven receptions for a buck 35 and two touchdowns in that game. And they all happened within a span of five minutes in the third quarter. Start of the second half. I remember vividly, it was the first possession of the second half. They went down and scored, and they did it again on the next possession. And, Don, that was also the game where Iowa scored a touchdown, and it was 24-15. to And what what did they do? What did Iowa do? And you understand this, your former OC, the, the cardinal error. What did Iowa do that ended the game? They scored a touchdown, made it 24-15. What did they do? Oh, okay. Well, they went for two and failed. They went for two and failed. Game over. <laughs> I, right. I don't understand. Anyways, that's a discussion for a different day, James. What else you got? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, I just feel like it's interesting. It would be intriguing to see what they do with Charlie and Tyrone and, like, how much, like, you know, they're obviously going to have. Well, it's not. I feel like they're still going to have, you know, chip on their shoulder. But I feel like if it was, like, in Kenneth, it'd be more of a, you know what I'm saying? Like, a more of a. 
Hey, look at me yeah, now. Sure. Game. You know, I feel like it's still gonna be a Hey, look at me now game. If it wasn't Kenick, it'd be more of a Hey, look at me now game than agreed. agreed. Being in being in West Lafayette, but it's interesting to see. And I'm interested to see what the line will be too. I feel like Peters did look good for sure, but we always know he plays. At least in my eyes, he doesn't play as good on the road as he does at home. I think you agree with that, Corey. As well, he does not play as good on the road as he does at home. Uh, well, who Petrus? Yeah. Oh, he plays better on the road. He plays better on the road usually, but like. Yeah, today he today yeah, he yeah. Played, yeah, yeah. He plays, I think he's, I think he's played his best games on the road. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. And I go back all the way back to 2020 at Purdue, at Illinois, or excuse me, at Penn State, at Illinois, at Minnesota. Well, Minnesota wasn't very good. Uh. Yeah, no, I, I think they've played. I think he's played better on the road. And, and Maryland last year is a good example. So it was, it, again, seven turnovers. Let's remember that Iowa forced seven turnovers against Maryland, too. That helps. It also scared me because, you know, Aiden O'Connor kind of seems like he kind of has our number two, you know, kind of knows the way that'd beat us. So it's also <laughs> a little scary and he can use his feet a little bit. So it's me intriguing to see how they adjust. And obviously, I don't really i hate to say this but i don't really put stock into this game as much as i think we should because like obviously they're one in six and like this game i think we should have won maybe not i didn't expect this to win by that much but like so i think it's a game we should have won so i don't know how much i'm gonna put into it but i'm glad peter's so good at least because i have faith and like i know he has the intangibles you could see it it's just like he wasn't doing the intangibles so that kind of got frustrating you know what i mean where it's like He's 6'5", has a strong arm. He just wasn't making the throws that were easy. And it's like, all we're asking you to do is just please make the easy throws. If you don't make the hard throws, I get that. But just please make the easy throws. That's all we want from you. Well, he's going he's gonna to be tested next week. Yeah, for sure. All right, it's good talking to you, Corey. Enjoy your night. Thanks, James. All right. Um, some questions in the chat here. Kevin M. Downey says, uh, is it possible that Kirk Ferentz not playing Padilla so that he does transfer? That way he gets to go right to Labus or the other QB. I'm going to say no in answer to that question, Kevin, because I do not believe that Kirk Ferentz has a lot of confidence in Joey Labus. Lemansky, love Don's, not love the fact that Don is so smiley tonight. Coach will always be invested. Thought of you, Coach, when Penn State showed so many offensive formations. Um, we got our uh, Organic Vale Radio watching from Fort Myers, Florida. Appreciate you being here as well. CS Music Factory, and this game is probably underway. Of course, I haven't uh, looked at a score. He said, what is the Brada's branded prediction for the Michigan Michigan State game tonight? I think Michigan State could pull off an upset like last year. I've got Michigan State covering. I think the line was like 22. I think that's a way too big of a line for a rivalry game, an in-state rivalry like Michigan-Michigan State, which is one of the best rivalries in the sport. Uh, I think Michigan wins. Don, your thoughts on the game tonight? I would certainly uh, expect Michigan to win the game, but I, if it was a 22-point spread, I would take Michigan State. I think Michigan State will stay within three touchdowns. BJ wants to know over-under on Charlie Jones' yards. I'd say it's safe to say over-under is 100. That would be the fair over-under, would it not? Well, he's probably averaging pretty close to 100 yards per game, I think, isn't he? I don't know what his average is right now. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you. Um, let me give you his numbers here. Well, maybe he missed an entire game. I'm not sure. No, no, he didn't. Okay. FBS uh, numbers, stat rankings. All right. Receiving touchdowns. Want to guess where he ranks in the FBS in receiving touchdowns? Number one. Uh, he ranks number three behind only Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee. 
maybe best offense in the country and Marvin Harrison Jr. Ohio State, maybe the best offense in the country. So he's in he's in good company. I would say so. He's got nine receiving touchdowns on the season. Um, excuse me. Uh, receiving yards per game. You want to guess where he ranks there? Number one. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, tie, tied with uh, Amika Abuka of Ohio State, uh, behind the likes of Trey Palmer of Nebraska, Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee, Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa State. Um, how about, uh, let's see here, receiving yards total uh, would probably be a, be a better number. Well, I guess that wouldn't be a better number. I'm guessing 90 yards a game. He's, uh, let's see, uh, he's got 840 for the year. So he's actually third in receiving yards, but I just gave you receiving yards per game. Receiving yards per game for Charlie, he's averaging 105. Yeah. 105 that's per game. That's pretty amazing. Five. I think that's probably a good over-under, right? 105? <laughs> right around there. Uh, Don, you, you, can bet that, you can bet that we're going to try to hold him to double digits. That's for sure. We better. Oh, and, and receptions per game. He's second in the FBS behind only Xavier Hutchinson, who leads the country with 9.6 receptions per game. Charlie Jones right now is at 9.0 receptions per game. And by the way, the next closest re- uh, receiver, is averaging 7.6. So uh, he, he has been um, obviously sensational. Um, how does I, how does I, what, how do you think Iowa plays him? I mean, I mentioned earlier, I think they're going to probably try to just keep everything in front of them, right? That's kind of the Phil Parker way. But how, how do you think they'll game plan for Charlie Jones? That's a good question. Um, I'm sure they're going to, they're going to try to avoid, leaving him in single coverage very much because he'll, you know, it's, it's difficult for any corner to cover him, I think. So what what's, makes it more difficult is I'm sure they're going to move him around. He's not going to line up just in one spot. So it, it gets complicated. You can't always double cover him in that regard. You know, there are ways to get, in, get him into single coverage, and I don't even know what they are, but <clears> – <throat> Here's our. Here's what we have to be aware of. I guarantee Penn, Purdue's going to study hard to figure out what formations and what combinations of motion are going to give us the best chance to end up with Charlie Jones in single coverage. That's what they're going to try to do. Uh, and, and if it's if it's complicated to be able to double cover him, then they're going to they're going to make it difficult for us to be able to get that done uh, just by lining him up in the right spot motioning him, jumping him, bringing him out of the backfield with motion maybe, uh, you know, declaring him. Maybe he doesn't even know if he's going to motion to the left or right until our defense lines up, and then they can then they can motion him in the appropriate direction to guarantee that he ends up in single coverage. Stuff like that can go on and probably will go on. But I think our fundamental goal would be not to leave him in single coverage any more than necessary because it's difficult for any corner to cover him. And for that matter, any inside defender to cover him too. Richard says, uh, good God, the three teams that Iowa played to, uh, prior to today are three of the top four defensive teams in the Big Ten and the Power Five. You only will give credit if Iowa beats those three teams. Uh, Richard, uh, I, I don't know how to respond to that other than the fact that uh, 
Iowa ranks dead last in the FBS in total offense. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, yes, that's a fact. They're, they played really good defenses, but uh, they, they've been really bad against really good defenses and really bad against average defenses. Now, did they turn a corner today? We'll we'll find out next week, Don. That's a good defense. Um, you want to guess where Purdue ranks right now in, in total defense, Don? I'm guessing they're in the top half, certainly. I'm guessing I was gonna say, 40 or 50 or 60, maybe. Brought it up. 43rd. 43rd. So pretty pretty good. I mean, that's still going to be a test. If they can do it on the road at Purdue and they run the ball as well as they did today, Don, will you be a believer that the offense has turned a corner? Well, if we run the ball as well as we did today, then we certainly have a good chance to, to knock off Purdue. That'll be the challenge is can we do that? I do think our backs um, – Got quite a bit of yardage after contact. I know you could argue that that Northwestern didn't do a very good job attacking them, but I prefer to give a lot of credit to the backs too. You know, I think they they ran hard. They were trying to be physical with with um, their execution of the the running play, and and they picked up quite a few yards after contact. Both number two and number four did. So that's encouraging. But it it all started just with us having some good running lanes to begin with. You know, we had. We had certain plays where we were almost certain to gain five yards simply because they hadn't really contacted us until we were closing in on that five-yard mark. want to uh, give everybody a scoreboard update. Uh, we were talking about that Michigan-Michigan State game, and as we head into the final 15 to 20 minutes of this show, want to let everybody know right now, uh, Tennessee leading Kentucky late in the second quarter. Mark Stoops' team down 14 in the second. 20 to 6, uh, USC leading in Tucson against the uh, Arizona Wildcats, 17 to 13. Uh, Jay Norvell and his uh, Colorado State Rams trailing Boise State, 28 to 10. Michigan leading Michigan State early in the second, 10 to 7. Number 15, Ole Miss trailing Texas AM, 14 to 7 early in the second quarter. Baylor and Texas Tech locked up at three apiece in the second. Arizona State leading Colorado 21 to 10 in the second. Pitt tied with number 21 North Carolina 7 to 7 late in uh, the first quarter. And how about Don? How about this result earlier today? Um, you were probably you were at the game, of course. Uh, Illinois struggled for a while against Nebraska, but pulled away like good teams do. That continues to look like a really good football team. Brett Bielema has done a terrific job. But how about this? Number nine Oklahoma State. They had one loss heading into the end of the day. They're playing a backup quarterback for Kansas State, and Kansas State bagels them. 48 to zilch. I think the the backup quarterback played well, and for that matter, the defense played well in support by giving the other guys a goose egg. Um, You know, and if that didn't happen, these other results would look more surprising. Number 20, Cincinnati losing to unranked Central Florida. How about this number 10 Wake Forest losing by 27 points on the road at Louisville. So uh, some upsets today, uh, certainly. And Miami, how about Miami? They've struggled all year. They win in quadruple overtime against Virginia, 14 to 12. So uh, kind of some some crazy uh, results across the uh, landscape of college football. Lemansky has a question for you, Don. Okay. Phil Parker got Xavier uh, Xavier Wampa, uh, TJ Hall, and others on the field when he could today. 
Brian Ferentz doesn't. QB, uh, okay, QB out today and now behind 40 and oh, scoreless. Am I greedy wanting this from BF? I don't quite know what that second sentence means or the third sentence, but uh, you're, you're just your thoughts on that. Because again, we said the same thing, you know, in that Nevada game. Uh, why don't we see backup, Iowa's backup quarterbacks late in games? Right, we should. We should. Uh, this comes to mind for me. Uh, Bill Brazier, of course, is an old and dear friend of mine. And Bill sometimes, or I am, maybe his wife would comment. She said it doesn't seem fair. If we have a blowout game, then the offense plays their backup players and everybody's happy to see all the other players get in the game. But the problem with us doing that on defense, if we give up a touchdown with the backups in there, it ruins the mood of the whole team. You know, they, they feel like we had a we had a shutout going and then we gave up a score. Or in today's case, we'd given up seven points all day. And now because the backups are in, we give up a touchdown, of course, as time expires. And and that's not what the defense deserved. They deserve to only have seven points charged against them. But to Phil's credit, he knows those guys need time. They need experience. They need to you know, to, to um, make some mistakes in a game because it's easier to remember them if you make them in front of, even then there were still 60 or 50,000 people in the stadium, even on that last drive. And I, I was hoping we could get off the field without giving up any more points. But in the big picture, does it really matter that much, whether it's 33 to 7 or 33 to 13? Not really. Uh, the experience those guys gained, even on that last drive, is, is something that's going to uh, help them in the days ahead. And your point, Corey, is don't those offensive players need that same kind of experience? Uh, I would have to say, yeah, they do. Uh, that's one reason we were always uh, – I'll give you an example of, of why, why it does make sense. We're playing over at Illinois years ago. We have a quarterback named Hartley, but it's not Chuck Hartley, it's Jim Hartley. Jim Hartley, who had played behind Matt Rogers – Matt Rogers was a two-time All-Big Ten quarterback, first-team All-Big Ten. Then when he graduated, we had Jim Hartley coming back. Jim Hartley over at Illinois uh, going into that game, I know he was leading the Big Ten in pass efficiency. He might have been leading the entire nation in pass efficiency. The truth of it is he was another good quarterback, a guy that could run for that matter, a guy that was very cerebral. Uh, Jim and Chuck Hartley were both very, very bright. And, you know, you could load them up mentally as much as you wanted. Here's my point. At the end of the game, uh, we've already decided. I've already told the bench, told Dave Triplett, who's on the sideline, I said, let Coach Fry know I want Jimmy out of the game because we had the game won. There's maybe five minutes left in the game, six minutes, seven minutes left. I can't recall. Well, as luck would have it, Illinois punted the ball and killed the ball somewhere inside the five-yard line. And Coach Fry logically said, uh, hey, Dave, let Donnie know I'm going to go ahead and go with Jimmy again because I don't want us to turn the ball over here and, and give up a cheap score. And I understood that. Uh, you know, Coach was thinking, you know, the defense has worked hard to put up a big number, put up a small number on the on the end of allowing points. And wouldn't you know it, uh, um, Jimmy went back on the field we had a backup running back in the game who will remain nameless. Uh, but the ball came out on a simple exchange, and Jimmy dove for the ball because it was a law. And wouldn't you know it, an Illinois guy 
not because he was trying to hurt Jimmy. He's simply trying to recover the, the loose ball. He falls on Jimmy's shoulder. And Jimmy separates his shoulder, and Jimmy's done for the season. So that's why you get out your starters, um, because they're always at risk of injury. You know, football's a physical sport, and that's just one more reason to play the backups. So you don't get a starter injured when the outcome of the game has already been settled. Uh, so that's one reason the defense does it, of course. is Wouldn't it be – how would we feel if Jack Campbell got injured at the end of today's game? That would have been – that would have been – just ridiculous if that happened. And Phil Parker wasn't going to allow that to happen. Those key players, he got them out of the game. The backups need experience anyway. Let's give them a chance to play. We don't want to give up another touchdown. But let's face it, in the big picture, it really doesn't matter that much. Those guys need experience, and that's going to give them a better chance to play well if and when they need to play when the game is um, not out of doubt, you know, when the game is still up for grabs. Uh, that'll give them a better chance to play well in those more difficult circumstances. LH says that you look like Burt Reynolds. Well, Burt Reynolds in his last days, you're saying, or or sometime earlier in his life, maybe, I hope. David uh, just left. David, uh, David, come back. What happened to David? He was waiting on here to talk to you, and David just left. If you're interested in sponsoring this show or our post-game show with Coach Gary Close, email me at from the eye of the storm at Outlook.com, from the eye of the storm at Outlook.com. Um, All Country Boy wants to know, did Iowa change up O-line scheme in recruiting? Seems like more finesse blocking, unlike earlier years with huge dominant power guys. Don, Iowa's always ran this zone blocking scheme under Kirk Ferentz, but has there been a change in mindset that you've seen, perhaps with recruiting in recent years? I don't know that there has been. Uh, you know, we're always looking for the most physical guys we can find up front, of course. I know you could argue that zone concepts are really based on just trying to tie people up and create seams in the defense and run through those seams. Uh, but I think we still run some gap schemes. Uh, you know what I mean by gap schemes, Corey, where we're, we're blocking down and, and kicking out, trying to punch a hole in the defense. We still run some gap schemes, I'm sure. Uh, I'll admit I don't pay that much attention to the blocking scheme sometimes as I should, but, but um, I'm sure we still run some gap schemes as well. We run both zone and gap schemes. In answer to your question, Eric, yes, I'll be live with uh, coach Gary close after the Iowa basketball games, uh, starting with, uh, well, I believe, I don't know if Gary's going to be joining me for the exhibition or not. I will be live regardless on Monday following Iowa's uh, game against Truman state, Jeff Horner's team down there in Missouri. Um, Scott says, uh, did Will, the paper sack guy, make it onto the field today? Remember, Corey, free merch if he did. Uh, I did not see Will on the field, Scott, but yes, (laughs) the actual video footage of Will on the field with the uh, brown paper bag on his head, I'm going to give him free merchandise. Nathan says, is it a concern that incompletions stop the clock? I don't know what that means, Don. I don't either. No, that's not a concern. I like that rule. Uh, Lemansky says, uh, you talk about making defenses guard all quadrants of the field. Don't we need this the next four games? Absolutely. You've got Aiden O'Connell, Don. You've got Tanner Morgan, who's had his bright moments this year. I know he's also had his bad moments, but he's had his bright moments. Assuming he's healthy in that game. Casey Thompson. 
can sling the football. Let's not discount what he can do. And, and they've got um, their star receivers. Uh, again, I I just had it. What's his, what's the kid's name? Why do I always forget his name? Palmer. And Palmer. Palmer. Trey Palmer. They can sling the football. Uh, I, you know, Wisconsin, I know they're, they've dealt with some issues, but they've been better here these last few weeks. So the defense will be tested. Jordan. Corey, did you see what Pat McAfee said about the Hawks today? Yes, he did. He, Pat McAfee came out there, and anybody cares about Cat, Pat McAfee, he said that Kirk needs to fire his son. Uh, now, Pat is just an analyst. He's a former NFL kicker, punter, right? Was he a punter or a kicker, Don? Kicker. I uh, believe but, he's a kicker. Uh, and I know that uh, what's-his-face uh, on game day agreed with him that Brian needs to go. Those are their words, not mine. Uh, Esther says, uh, Coach Patterson, how did you feel about the win today? How would you sum it all up, Don? We've been talking about this, but how would you sum up how you're feeling about this Northwestern victory? Well, I was able that we accomplished our goals. You know, we went into the game thinking that we could run the ball, that we could uh, possess the ball, that we could, keep, we could keep their offense on the bench. Um, we were confident that we could, could move the ball up and down the field, which should give us a chance, of course, to score touchdowns in the red zone. <clears throat> Even though we still kicked too many field goals today, at least we did a good job of possessing the ball. We had time of possession close to 32 minutes. They ended up with 28. And let's face it, the last five minutes of the game, of course, was against our our reserves. And um, that's, that's the best sustained drive they had the entire day. Let's not forget the touchdown drive uh, against our ones was, I believe, a 34-yard touchdown drive, if I'm not mistaken. That was after the shank punt. All right. What's going on with Tory Taylor? Is he hurt? Not that I'm aware of. I, I, I don't know. My wife said, Lisa said, well, you don't see Tory Taylor miss a punt like that very often. And I said, yeah, you're right. Well, remember, he, he, he had that play last week where he faked unnecessarily and got hit. And somebody yeah. made a comment after he got hit. He looked a little gimpy. Then he struggled to punt the rest of the day. I don't know if it was up here, upstairs. You know, he hasn't had much adversity. He's been so good his entire career. And now you wonder if it's maybe the mental game that he's going to have to fight. Um, Eric says, do we have a deep threat receiver? And going along with that, Don, on the film, do you see the wide receivers getting open after 20 yards? I've noticed a lot of drags and outs on film. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the best plays we've we've run here lately is, is driving Regani across the formation, clearing out on the other side of the formation, running what we call a drive route across the field and uh, and throwing the ball to him. Even though it's only maybe a completion five yards down the field, we are hitting him on the dead run. And you saw today any number of times when he had a chance to turn down the field, turn it into a pretty big play after the catch. Let's add David to the mix who's been on hold. David, welcome to the show, sir. Coach? Hi, Coach. Yes, Corey? Are you there? Yes. Can you hear uh, us? Internet. <laughs> uh, barely. Uh, my my internet's not working very well. Oh well. I can barely hear you. I just we wanted to say hi to Coach Patterson. How are you, David? I just I I just wanted to say hi to Coach. I'm good, Coach Patterson. It's uh, good to finally get to talk to you. Uh, my, this is back in the days when you were coaching with uh, Coach Fry. My parents would go go to the games back in the day. 
case and get into what I want to do is just say, <laughs> and, and, and you look good for looking like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, David. I appreciate that. But uh, I just want to get your thought on one thing that I kind of noticed today besides the motion on the shot, a couple shotgun plays. I think we lost David. Yeah, we did. I, I was wondering, Corey, if I still had you. Yeah, We we'll lost see. David, but we still got you at least. We'll see if we can get David back. I know he's got a question, and I don't want to – I know his, his internet's acting up. David, you want to try again? Try again with the question. Yeah. We lost you. Yeah. Um, I just want to get your uh, thought on a shotgun formation that Iowa ran, and they put uh, Arlen Bruce in the backfield, kind of like the 49ers do with Debo Samuel. I just want to get your thoughts about what you thought about that. Yeah, that was a new wrinkle. We hadn't seen that. Um I think it's a good thought, you know, because, again, other teams have to prepare. What we've done with Arlen Bruce in the backfield, in place of our running back, we've given them one more thing to have to think about in preparation for the game. Uh, I'm trying to think what we did with him today. I know we I think we swung the ball to him. I know there was a time when he, we checked him across the line of scrimmage and threw to him, uh, you know, no more than what we would just call a check release. Um did he run the ball out of the backfield or not? I don't know that he did. Yeah, I, 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 I think we only threw to him. I, no, we did run it out of the backfield. Yeah, we did, and it only went for like a, a yard, maybe even that. Yeah, I don't not remember. Sure. I don't remember exactly. You mean we simply handed him the ball? <laughs> yes, we did. Okay. Well, I like I the just, idea. Just... Let's face it. He's 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 um. A playmaker, and you know we need to find ways to get in the ball. And if, if that means we hand it to him, that's okay too. When we hand it to him on a fly sweep, it almost always has good effect. Because let's face it, if that if that if that fly man's coming across the formation two out of every three snaps, and we only hand it to him one out of ten, it still has good effect because there's always an element of surprise when we actually give him the ball. Because typically we don't. Yeah. Uh, so I like that aspect of it, and I like the idea of lining him up in the backfield too. Gives our gives I our. It was, I I liked it. It worked for me, but it it was kind of a different wrinkle. Yeah, but uh, that's all. And that's all I wanted to say. Is hi to Coach Patterson. It's uh, been a thrill to watch watch you over the years, my my friend. Well, uh, thank I'll you, let you guys go. Have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you, you David. Do the same. And Don, I, I don't care what anybody says about this. I don't care. Okay. I have been criticized for bringing this up, but I, I came to this realization last night. Um, I was thinking about Arlen Bruce and I understand it's a wrinkle. I'm not saying I was going to start going into, you know, playing spread football and, you know, I'm not going to be going triple option, but all I will say is this. When Arlen Bruce was recruited, I remember Arlen Bruce saying that Brian Ferentz, part of the pitch to Arlen Bruce the fourth was that they saw, they foresaw Arlen Bruce playing in the Wildcat. Brian Ferentz told Arlen Bruce this <laughs> when he recruited. So anybody wants to rip me for bringing up the Wildcat, oh, Iowa doesn't run the Wildcat. 
they did run the Wildcat, and they were running it with Makai Sargent, Tyler Goodson, Tyrone Tracy. My point is, when they recruited him, they recruited him in part to be available to run the Wildcat. They don't run the Wildcat anymore. And here's the deal. You and I both know, I've brought up, and we both talked about it, the guy on the other side of the football, if you have a few plays for him, Cooper DeGene, what would you think of a, a – and we can dream. All right, we can dream. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about this, Don. You may tell me I'm wrong. What do you think about a tandem of Arlen Bruce, Cooper DeGene, Caleb Johnson in the backfield? <laughs> can we talk about that for a minute? Let's talk about that for a minute, Don. <laughs> Was this, I lost you for a second. Were you saying Arlen Bruce, Cooper DeGene, and Caleb? And Caleb, yes. Those three? Why not? Why well, not? the point is – Let me say this real quick, Don, before you give your – Cooper DeGene played quarterback in high school. Arlen Bruce, Arlen Bruce played some quarterback and he threw out of the Wildcat in high school. He's done it. That's my, I just, those three in the backfield. The thing I don't know is I know that for sure Arlen and Cooper would be fine in terms of executing the running game. And that would include them being the runner. The thing I don't know is how capable they are as passers. Now, obviously you don't have to, you don't have to be uh, um, Tom Brady back there or, or Aaron Rodgers, whatever you, whoever you want to pick, you don't have to be the world's best passer because again, you got the element of surprise. You know, if you're back there to be a wildcat quarterback, then clearly you're either handing the ball off or, or running the ball yourself. So much of the time. Um, but that would be interesting to have, Two guys in the backfield that are neither one supposed to be back there at one time. That would that would create a little bit of uncertainty on defense as to what might be coming. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I just think with a couple of guys who are a threat to throw, and then with Caleb Johnson's ability to run, uh, and we all obviously know that Arlen Bruce and um, Cooper DeGene can run. Um, Ari Gold says, "Did Cooper DeGene play today? Yes, he did. He was in there, right, Don? Yes." Uh, LH says, uh, do we have a slim chance now at winning the West? Uh, I guess mathematically they do. I don't think Illinois eliminated that yet. They've eliminated it for Nor- Northwestern. Don, I don't think we're winning the West, but I think I think still the, technically they still have a chance at that. I saw some percentage thing, and I don't even, What is FPI anyway? What does FPI stand for? Do you know? Corey? I think it's a football percentage index, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say probability index, one or the other. Anyway, I did see a a, an exact number, the odds of us winning the West, it was something like 1.2% or 1.8%. It was a very small number. Sure. It was it was possible, but not likely. Right. Um, faster outdoor food. Didn't watch the last bit of the game. Not sure if Padilla got in. Did he get in in the fourth quarter to get practice time? Petrus has had three years to practice. No, uh, he didn't. So, uh, you know. Let me ask you this, Don. We're, we're two hours into the show. We're wrapping this thing up. We got Yakov 22 is probably our last caller here on hold. I think it's fair to ask this question. Kirk's decision to go with Spencer today. We haven't really discussed that. I was disappointed by that decision. I'm not there in practice every day. But, Don, Spencer's had two and a half years to prove himself in games. And I know Kirk would argue he's proven himself because they won a bunch of games in 2020 and 2021. 
I don't agree with that. I think they they've won a lot of games in 2020 and 2021 in spite of quarterback play, in spite of the offense. And you cannot evaluate Alex Padilla in a game based on the second half against Ohio State when he came in down 16 in the horseshoe against maybe the best team in the country. You just can't. And to me, the fact that Spencer started this game, played all the way through, is just yet another indication that Kirk is set on not playing Alex Padilla unless he absolutely has to. And I don't understand it, Don. Uh, I understand. And the reason I haven't brought it up until now is because Spencer probably played the best game, his best game of the season. But we also don't know that Alex Padilla may not have, you know, maybe he would have played really well today either. We don't know. All right. Go ahead, Don. I was simply going to state, is it hard to imagine that today's assignment for the quarterback, whoever he was, was a much easier assignment than the one we had last week or the week before? Yeah, so so I, I just first of all, did fans boo when when Petrus came out there to start the game? There were a few boos, I think, not many, because I think uh, you might recall, of course, uh, they won and they deferred. We took the ball, so there was that excitement about the game getting started, which which um, did a good job of covering up what little booing there was. Uh, and, you know, and I think record, a lot. I don't endorse booing. I'm not saying I'm endorsing that, but I just think it. I think it would have been. I personally wanted them to to start Padilla, um, but the reports that I kept hearing out of practice were that the coaches just still view Petrus as far and away the better of the two, and I, I just don't know how much game time you need to to be shown that Spencer Petrus is not the same guy in practice as he is in games and. Winning against Northwestern is not going to prove me otherwise. Yeah. Corey, I want to share with the listeners a text I sent you maybe within the past 24 hours, and I know you'll verify that I did, in fact, send it to you. I simply texted you, Corey, and I said, um, my hope is that we start Alex uh, for two reasons. One is my fear is that if we do start Spencer – um, certain fans are going to, re- to put it politely, I guess, and there's going to be a little bit of booing early on, uh, or maybe the initial realization will will prompt some booing. Well, thankfully, we at least re- uh, moved the ball down the field with uh, a good running game and some high percentage passes. Uh, we took that opening possession and kicked a field goal. We got off to a positive start at least. We didn't come away empty on that first drive. Right. And for that reason alone, um, it kind of diffused the uh, – my concern was we end up with a, a negative vibe to start the game. That's the comment I made to you. Uh, what if, just for the sake of argument, what if what if we'd have been three and out? And what if Spencer would have made a bad throw on that third down? Well, then there would have for sure been uh, any, any number of bluebirds out at that moment. Um, but the fact that we started the game with a positive drive, made made a field goal, uh, Spencer hit some passes. I know you could argue they were easy throws, but at least he was able to execute those plays well and move the ball down the field. That was one reason I was uh, hoping that Alex might start the game. And just to, you know, I was anticipating a difficult game, and I didn't. I wanted us to have the full effect of the of our fans. I wanted them to be enthusiastic about the game. I didn't want to. 
uh, create a, a negative vibe with a poor start. Um, a poor start in, in some fans' eyes is a, a sign of defiance, like you're not in charge of this team, we'll do what we want to do. Well, thankfully, we didn't uh, have a slow start, so it all worked out just fine. But the other reason, as I mentioned to you, Corey, is part of our problem is our offensive line being able to protect our quarterback well enough. Well, that would be an argument for playing a quarterback that has more ability to extend plays. Uh, and I think I think just about any fan would suggest to you that Alex is more mobile than Spencer and would give us a better chance to extend plays if we were struggling with pass protection. Well, thankfully today we didn't struggle with pass protection either. Uh, and I'll give Spencer credit. There were times when he was under pressure and he handled the pressure better today than he had in recent weeks. You know, he pulled through some arm tackles. He threw the ball away. Uh, he actually, there was one play that was nice. He, he stepped up in the pocket. He was close to the line of scrimmage and he dumped the ball down the field. Remember that one? Yes. That was a good play. Yes. That was a good play. So it's a positive to see those things. Maybe that's the result of him realizing that there are ways in which he can improve versus pressure. And one step away, of course, is to, is to climb in the pocket. He did that today better than he has in the past. What bothers me the most, Don, is I've spoken with Alex Padilla. You know, you've heard a million interviews with the kid, media days and whatnot. He's a nice young man, and we've seen him in games I don't see any gap in a game. We haven't seen a gap. And I know that obviously the coaches see a gap in practice. What frustrates me is as bad as Spencer Petras has been at times this year. The implication here is that Alex Padilla is even worse. That's the implication. That's right. what the coaches are telling us. They're telling us, okay, this is what we have. You don't want to see what's behind him. And right. that to me is an indictment on coaching. And I feel bad for Alex Padilla because do I believe he's that bad? No, I don't. Can I prove him wrong? No, I can't because we don't see him in games. We don't see him in a fair situation in a game. And it just, that, that's what frustrates me the most. Let's get to Yakov 22's non hold. Yakov 22, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate being the last caller of the day. Oh, we got one more caller behind you. Oh, okay, well, but I don't need to be the last. I just thought you had said I was the last one. But um, first of all, I enjoy the show, guys. I'm, when I have Tennessee and Kentucky, I'm mute listening to you guys. And uh, you guys are, you know, so I was enjoy your the wrap up show. Um, actually, I wonder if I ask this more of a general question. I want to ask Coach. Um, Coach, I, I, you know, we, we always hear about the play sheet. Um, um, I, you know, I, I obviously never coached. I played two years of middle school football thirty years ago. That doesn't qualify me for anything. But um, and I was a bench warmer for that. Never, never played a meaningful down. The game was in doubt. I was on. I was sitting on the bench, but. Um, when we talk about the score sheet, coach, I'm sorry, the score sheet, the play sheet. I've never seen a play sheet. What's what's on the play sheet, and how how is it arranged? Well, there are different ways to do it. Since you brought it up, Yakov, I'll share this with you. Okay. The typical call sheet is simply um, a big piece of of um, sturdy board. I don't know what to call it, Corey. You help me out here. Sturdy Card paper. Cardboard, cardboard board. Not cardboard, but but. Uh, Card, card stock, card, card stock. stock material. Yes, and it would be printed front and back, and then of course it's laminated in the event of bad weather, so it's protected from the elements. Uh, that's a typical call sheet. That's the typical call sheet you'll see in any game you look at. It'll be um, fairly large. It'll be you know maybe 18 inches long and 12 inches high, 
So it's a it's a it's it's so big I can't even show you on the screen. But you know what twelve inches and eighteen inches looks like. So oh, kind of it? it's a it's a big piece of cardstock. And of course, you understand as a coach, you got to be prepared to flip it. You got to know which side you're on. But you need that much room to print all the car, all the plays that you want to have available to you to run in the game. Um, my experience has been very few callers I've ever known, play callers, ever rely on their memory to call a game. You know, you're you're going to be be sure to look at that call sheet as you make a call because you got to be sure that you get the call exactly right. right. And again, the reasons are kind of obvious. We've got we're jumping formations. We're using motion. You know, we got to be sure that we have the right numbers or letters to be able to communicate the play to the team that's on the field. And so for that reason alone, it's 18 inches by 12 inches. It's good size. Uh, I know what you're going to say. You don't see Brian with anything nearly that big. Well, I, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, Corey's covered that, that topic. I wasn't trying to, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're certainly welcome to comment on that. I, I wasn't trying to push that. But I mean, well, I'll share this with you. When I became a head coach and when I, called plays at Western Illinois, I gave it a lot of thought, and I actually ended up, imagine that same piece of cardstock, 18 by 12, and then imagine making it into a book, okay? So you, you fold it together, so it's now it's like a book, right? you got a front page, you got a back page, and inside you got two more pages, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you what I did with it. I've On the front page, I was always a fan of David Letterman, so I had a top 10 list of runs and a top 10 list of passes. Those plays, I guarantee you, got run early in the game, in the first half. Wow. Okay. Because those were the best plays. Top 10 runs, top 10 passes. Oh, okay. That's, well, that's because crazy. David Letterman had a top 10 list. Yeah. Do you remember that? Remember I that? used to watch him back, you know, 25, 30 years ago or so. Yeah. So, so, and so you had top 10 runs, top 10 passes. And then you you might have a little more room for something else, but typically that that would be it on the front page. And then inside the book, you had runs on one page, passes on the other page. You had two columns of runs, and the runs on the left column were for the left side of the field, and the runs on the right column were for the right side of the field. So imagine it looks like a football field, right? It's rectangular like a football field. And if you're on the left hash, look to the left column. If you're on the right hash, look to the right to prevent you from screwing up as a play caller. And then on the other page, all passes. Same thing. Left column means left hash. Right column means right hash. And then on the back page, you had critical downs. Second and short, second medium, second and long. I wanted to ask about if you guys arrange it by, by how long you are. Yeah. Red zone offense on the back page as well. And for that matter, exotics on the back page because, Corey, you know how, how I feel about exotics. So every every call sheet had a, a, at least a couple of three exotics on there that we practiced and were prepared to run in the course of the game. Wow. And that was my call sheet, and it was easy for me to remember wh what page I was on. I could be blindfolded and still figure out whether I was inside the book or on the, on the outside cover or not, if that makes oh. sense to you, front yeah. cover, back cover. It does, Coach. Again, I, I, I really appreciate that. I, I've been watching – yeah, two years of nothing. I'm playing this account, but I've been watching football for pushing 40 years, but I never knew what was on that uh, sheet. Now I have a better idea now. Well, to be honest with you, I like the way I do it, did it better than, than just a two-sided call sheet because let's face it, there's a lot of information on one side and an equal amount of information on the other side. And by making it into a book, it was easier for me to break it down into, into four, 
four parts rather than two. Easier for me to find the right page. Wow. Okay. Well, I, it seemed I to work for me. I, I I don't know that anybody else does it that way, but I didn't just arbitrarily decide to do it. I gave it a lot of thought. That's what we went with, and it had good effect. And then when when the quarterback does his little thing there, what, what is he what is he saying? You well, know, you have you have a list of long plays on a wristband, okay. and nowadays the wristbands are so, you know, you have you have plays on a wristband, and then you can flip that up to have more plays on wristbands too. So you might have as many as 50 or 60 plays on a wristband. Okay. So he can see the that. Of that yeah. The beauty of that is you simple, you simply signal wrist 33, right? He looks on the wristband, call wow. 33. That's your play. Okay. And then he knows. So it's a quicker way of getting plays into the game. And then he tells the, um, the he knows from that what his receivers are going to be doing, what the running backs going to be doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you know, all, obviously, all the players have to understand their assignments inside and out. But that's why we practice, of course, is to iron out all those assignment errors. Okay. And be sure they don't happen. Corey, I hope you don't mind that I, I didn't ask anything specific about the game today. It's oh, fascinating. I joined a coach, and I thought it'd be interesting to 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 ask that. Thank you, Yakov. You're welcome to call in anytime. I always enjoy hearing your your questions. Well, You're very uh, thoughtful. What, uh, Corey, I have one more idea for you guys. This is I'm joking by now, but. Remember uh, when I called last week, coach was saying I should have told you last week uh, that you could call the coaches on Wednesday and say to throw the ball down the field against Ohio State, which they didn't do. By the way, that's how mostly uh, Penn, you know, Penn State, most of their scores were from uh, far you know, down the field passes. Today. I'm sure you weren't watching it because you were getting ready for Iowa. But, so yeah. you guys probably should have tried that. But then a court, he said I should have coached that I should have uh, told you during the week and you would have called the coaches. So what I was thinking is, Coach, I think you'll think this is – I'm saying this in a joking way, of course, but, Coach, you remember back in the days of the Soviet Union, they, I think it started right after the Cuban Missile Crisis, but they were – at that point, they they were worried that the you know, the president of the U.S. and the – whatever you call it, the leader of the Soviet Union, if there was ever a crisis, they couldn't contact each other. And that happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, you know, obviously, especially because of the, the – and, and there was almost terrible things from that. So they said after that, there's got to be a hotline. You should be able to – immediately call one another if it wasn't the president it's at least the pentagon and the kremlin or whatever so in a very joking way maybe we could set up a hotline for Corey. if there's ever anything really important he has to get over to the iowa coaching staff he can he can buzz kurt or you know the defensive coordinator and wednesday and you know make sure he's in contact and that, nothing that important ever you know doesn't, you know, doesn't get forgotten there so we'll I'm set sure up a hotline kirk, for I'm sure kirk would love that he'd he'd have <laughs> to have a bomb squad come in to disable that well, maybe at least it could be the GA or something. Maybe you could at least like, you take go. GA. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank okay. you, sir. Take care. Always love hearing from Yako22. And we've got Michael, who's been on hold. Michael's got a question about Marco Linez. Marco, Michael, Michael, you're talking about Marco. What you got, Michael? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Let's go. Um, quick question. What are the chances that Marco Lanez starts next year? Chances he starts next year? Yes. Slim to none and slim it's, left town. Yes, I know. <laughs> Words of it's Don it's a slow development for Hawkeye quarterbacks, but um, – No, I'd say it's, it's – it's, let me say this, Michael. It's greater than most freshmen because I think Padilla is gone. I think Petrus is gone. I don't think they have any confidence in Joey Labus right now. And I know, I mean, Tom Caker, has been very outspoken about how he thinks they're going to go to the transfer portal at quarterback. 
I was all over that last year. They should have done that. So I do think they'll probably make it. I mean, I have reason to believe Tom, he's correct. And uh, I, I would think they're going to go to the por- portal at quarterback. But does that mean they'll have, you know, uh, be able to effectively evaluate the portal and get a guy that's actually up to snuff? I mean, Marco, if he enrolls early, and I know that's still TBD, but assuming he enrolls early, it's going to give him a better chance to compete. Don, I'm sure you'd agree with that. If he can get in there in spring, learn that yeah. offense, and be- give him a chance to compete come August. Yeah, I was I was uh, watching your show a couple months ago, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to re- enroll early. So, how who deep is that? our? Who said that? It, I, I I don't know who it was, but um, I don't think his school, his uh, academy, um, likes okay. players to enroll early. So it doesn't so look like he's going to. Re- before you okay, I, I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying he's going to, but let me read you, um, an exact. Uh, let me find this here, um, because I did have a conversation with someone that. Uh, okay, uh, I asked, and I, I'll just go on the record and say this: I, I had a conversation um, with Marco Lanez Senior. So Marco's dad, this was a month ago. And he said that the idea of Marco enrolling early is still in the air. That's a quote from his father, still in the air. And um, yes, it's, it's, it could be an issue. sounds like it could be an issue given his school where he's at, but it doesn't, what I'm saying is it has not been ruled out. So they're working on it. This is what it sounds like. Cool. That'd be nice. Uh, How deep do you think our, quarterback room will be in next year then we hope Carson May can develop I mean he should be he should be even though he didn't enroll early this year he should be Don by next year by next August shouldn't Carson May be ready to compete <laughs> not saying he's yes. gonna be a starter but he should be ready to compete so he should be ready to compete if Marco enrolls early you hope he competes if Joey Labus is still here oh, and then if you grab a, a portal quarterback there's four guys that you're bringing in you know four guys none of which have played a snap of football and that's assuming Padilla and Petrus move on. So I don't think they're going to be real deep. There's going to be a lot of unknowns there. But I think fans, including myself, are more intrigued by the unknowns because we know, right? We've known for three years what we've had at quarterback. I think the unknown is sort of appealing to people. That okay. question came up to me today with, with a fan nearby. He said, Coach, tell me who our starting quarterback is next year. And I said, it's somebody that you've never heard of yet. <laughs> from the transfer portal, but I have no idea who it might be. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, that's all I have. I just wanted to know. Um, thank you guys for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, good question. Um, and look, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I think Marco is going to be ready to start, but I'm just saying this idea that it takes a year and a half to two years to to learn an offense. Don, you're a former offensive coordinator. That is ridiculous, is it not? Yeah, you should certainly be able to get a guy ready to compete. In year two, you know, let's face it, if you're if you're in camp and then you're in the fall season and then you're in spring football, by the time the next year rolls around, you should know enough to be able to compete. Absolutely. You should be able to get all that done in a span of 12, 13 months. Let's hit these last few questions rapid fire because uh, we're running up over two and a half hours. Jakob 22. Thank you for the super chat. Coach and Corey are a great pair. Appreciate that. And for you calling in, Yaakov. 
Darren Myers says, what year did coach come to Iowa? You were here and let me, let me see if I have this right. You were here from 79 to 99. You were there in uh, Denton, Texas with Hayden Fry in 78. Right. One year. With you know, last year was 98. So I was with coach Fry right. 78 to 98, 21 years. 98. Um, 78. You were with Fry, but 79 to 98 at Iowa, 78 in, at North Correct. Texas. Of course, then you went to how many years did you coach quarterbacks in total? Have you ever added that up? Because you coached quarterbacks in the 90s at Iowa and then you coached quarterbacks. Were you the, I'm assuming you were the QB's coach uh, at, let's see, Buffalo and at UConn. I coached quarterbacks 89 to 98 here. And then, um, and then I, of course, became the head coach at Western Illinois. And then I was at Buff- Buffalo for three years, coached quarterbacks. All three years, as I recall. And then at, at um, UConn, coach quarterbacks in year one and coach tight ends in year two. So that would be something like, let me think. Um, Nineteen eighty nine was my first year through ninety eight. So that's ten years here. And then three years at, at Buffalo makes 13, and one year at UConn makes 14 years. 14 of my 37 years, uh, I was a quarterback receiver coach. I would uh, guess that you were very involved with your quarterbacks at Western, though, without Mark, without micromanaging. I mean, weren't you probably very much involved? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's true of any head coach that's got a background in offense. He's not the quarterback coach, but – he spends a lot of time interacting with the quarterback. And all country boy, he's one of our premium subscribers. I don't agree with this comment. He's he's arguing for Kirk Ferentz, knowing who the best QB is. Would a coach make it 24 years not knowing who his best QB is? I'll give credit to anyone who makes it this long in this sport. Don, you've admitted on the record that you get, at times you did not think Chuck Hartley was the best QB on the roster. Now, I know you weren't the QB's coach then, right? That was Bill, correct? Am I, am I correct in saying Bill Snyder was correct. QB's but you observed it at one point, the coaches based on practice had an opinion. And then when he got in the game, he proved them wrong. Is that not right? Well, history speaks for itself. We started the season that year in the kickoff classic. That was a big deal back then. It was one football game played in front of every other game. Remember that? And we happened to play against Tennessee. We played against Tennessee in the Meadowlands. It was a big deal. Coach Fry said going into the game, we're going to play three quarterbacks. And we did. The third quarterback was Chuck Harley. Dan McGuire was the first quarterback. That's the one that the fans wanted. Uh, that's Mark McGuire's brother, right? The great home run hitter. <clears throat> Maholsky was the second quarterback. And Chuck Harley, at least uh, in, in Bill Snyder's judgment at that point in time, was the third quarterback. He would take snaps too, but he he would be the third guy in line for snaps. Well, within, I don't know, maybe three or four games, pretty early in the season, Coach Snyder decided our best quarterback is not the guy with a cannon for an arm. That was that was Dan McGuire. It's not Tom Pahoski, who had a year of experience on Chuck, as I recall. It actually was Chuck Harley, a guy that hadn't played much. Uh, and it wasn't because of what he did in practice, it was really what he did in the games that that convinced Bill that he was the better of the three quarterbacks. And Don, by the way, he ended ended up, I believe, as a two-time All-Big Ten quarterback also. 
my argument against just being convinced because Kirk and, and Brian, they observed Spencer in practice and they're, they're set on Spencer. He's the best guy. The other th- part of that argument is Kirk has never claimed to be a QB's guru and Brian is not a QB's guru. Correct. So I don't. And if anybody who wants to argue that, that we need to trust the coaches on this, I, I don't, I don't have to, I'm not going to because I'm no QB's guru, but I also recognize that Brian is not a QB's guru. And I just, uh, Don, you, you've seen both of these guys play. Was there a big gap between Padilla and Petrus when they played last year? Didn't appear that there was, no. So, I, I you know, again. Like a coin toss. You know, it's, that's the frustration for me. Um, uh, Kellen says, ask Don if he ever had to coach against you and I. Well, of course you did. How many games do you think you, you uh, coached against the uh, Panthers over the years? Well, we played them every year, of course, when I was at Western Illinois. We had some great games against them. Uh, they were uh, more of a powerhouse then than they are now. They're they're always good, of course. They were always competitive. They're competitive again this year. Uh, I believe they knocked off that same Southern Illinois team that beat Northwestern today. I believe didn't uh, you and I win by one today? I think. So I believe who? that's right. Who? Northern Iowa over Southern Illinois. Uh, that's a good question. Let me look this up. It was played uh, at, at Southern Illinois, and I believe you and I won. I know Drake won. Uh, let's see here. Um, yes, you're right, 37-36. Yeah, so think about that. You and I beat the team that beat El- that beat Northwestern, beat Northwestern on their own field. That didn't shock me because Southern Illinois is a pretty decent football team. Tells you something, though, about Northwestern. That's further confirmation that Northwestern is not a good football team. And the mystery to me – just like you, Corey, I saw Northwestern against Nebraska way back in game one, and I was impressed. I thought they had a chance to go on and have a good season. They had over 500 yards offense against Nebraska that day. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they've had some injuries since. I'm not sure what's gone wrong, but obviously they don't appear to be as good a team as they were in game one. Lomansky, we won't have this conversation today, but Don, at some point he wants to hear the stories behind those footballs behind you on the wall, so – we will definitely talk about that, Lemansky. Uh, All Country Boy says, Don, if you were on this offensive staff, where would your first point of interest be? First point of interest? Well, realizing we're, we've suffered to score points, it would be let's find ways to get super explosive plays. Let's find ways. we got to come up with better ways to manufacture big plays because we're having difficulty sustaining drives. I made this comment recently to someone else, Corey, but it's the truth. If you're a really, really lousy football team, not that we are, I'm not saying that, but let's imagine let's imagine that you have difficulty beating anyone. Isn't it conceivable that you can at least every now and then in the course of the game run some kind of play action and hope to throw the ball over the top of the defense and, and be lucky enough to hit on a few big plays? Nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Why yeah. wouldn't you try? Why wouldn't you try to make some big plays? Especially if you can't sustain drives. Why wouldn't you try to run some trick plays that might produce big yardage? Why wouldn't you try to come up with some kind of some kind of unusual uh, design of a play that would give you a better chance to make a big play? It would make sense to me that you would. I agree. Um, Don, you're going to have to comment on this one. 
Um, Brandon says, uh, can you and coach discuss the complexity of the offensive system here and how the current system may or may not keep younger players and transfers from getting on the field? Great question from Brandon. What's so different know. this offense, Don? What because we hear about oh the quarter there's more on the quarterback. He has to what's different about Iowa's offense? Well, truthfully, I can promise you this at the end of our 20 years at Iowa, we had a pretty complex offense too, because because it evolved over time. Uh, we always had good smart players. We always took great pride in teaching them well. And it was a pretty sophisticated offense. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think it's safe to say among college offenses, it was more sophisticated than most. Now, I don't doubt that we're more sophisticated now than, than most also. Uh, but the point is, if we're able to teach guys what to do within a span of a year, isn't it conceivable that we could do that even today? And I think the answer is, yeah, we can. Okay. Um, I think – I think we are good here. Um, I think I got through all the comments. A reminder to everybody, if you have not done so already, um, let me get rid of this banner here. Be sure to check out uh, Josue Alvarez over at uh, Dewey Ford in Ankeny because he will treat you right. He'll treat you fair. He'll be honest with you, help you as you're uh, making your way through the uh, car buying or truck buying or van buying uh, experience. So certainly uh, give Josue a call. If you call him and mention this show, mention from the Hawkeye of the Storm, mention Corey Bratta sent you, you'll get a $100 Casey's gas card upon vehicle purchase. Call him 515-776-1068, 515-776-1068. Excuse me, of course, this deal only for vehicles purchased through Josue. And when you mention um, from the Hawkeye of the storm and um, we'll be back on, let's see, we'll be back on Monday. Actually, uh, I will be back on Monday. So we'll have Iowa post game. Not yet. Sure. That's my, I didn't confirm that. don't know if we'll have coach uh, close with us for the exhibition, but regardless, we'll have a post game show following Iowa versus Truman state, which is an exhibition game Monday at 7.01 PM. So we'll be live with you following that game. Basketball is back. And, of course, uh, each and every week I'm live with you with uh, the one and only Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, uh, each Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Central Time, 5.30 Eastern, right here. Or, well, if you're watching on the Iowa channel, you might be watching on the From the Hawkeye of the Storm channel. Either way, we'll be live on the Iowa channel at 4.30 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday all right, if you're here for football and you like these call-in shows, I'll be back with you Wednesday night at 9 p.m. for a live call-in show, Hawkeye Hangout, right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Please share this show out on social media, this stream. If you've enjoyed it, you can watch it on demand or share it with others. That certainly helps. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, there's the email address. Shoot me an email, and we'll get you set up. You can also donate to the channel by means of Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. In the description below, there are links to each one. Please hit the like button on your way out as well. Subscribe if you've not done so. You can follow me on Twitter, at From the Hawkeye on Twitter. You can also like the Facebook page, From the Hawkeye of the Storm on Facebook. And, of course, next week, Don, we talked a little bit about Iowa-Purdue. We don't know what time that game will be yet. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll get a TV network and a kickoff time. Iowa's going to have its hands full in West Lafayette, Don. Uh, just maybe some parting thoughts on how Iowa can get it done against the Boilermakers. 
Well, one thing that happened Wisconsin just a week ago was turnovers. I believe um, I believe Purdue threw three picks. That was unusual for Purdue. So I don't know what the turnover margin was, but I certainly know that Wisconsin won uh, won that turnover battle. They got out in front. I believe they had 21 points at the end of the first quarter. From that point forward, Purdue was catching up, but simply couldn't get it done. So I think it's important to win on turnovers. You got to you got to be able to take some possessions away from Purdue because they've got such a good offense. If you don't eliminate some of their possessions through turnovers, then you're going to have a hard time stopping them. So I think that's where it all starts is win on turnovers and obviously defend against big plays because they're a big play offense. Uh, let's see here. Um, so Carter says 11 a.m. on FS1. Is this a official Carter? I thought it was going to be announced tomorrow. Let me uh, confirm this. He's right. Thank you, Carter. That apparently has been announced since we've been live on the air. That game will be at 11 a.m. on FS1. So uh, there you go. 11 a.m. FS1 next Saturday. And one final question. I'm going to ignore Kirk here in the chat. It's not Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Kirk in the chat says... um, well, let's start with Kurt. He says, uh, what is more challenging, reading a defense or learning an offense as a QB? Reading a defense or learning an offense. I would say the greater challenge is reading a defense because you have to do that when the bullets are flying, as Coach Fry used to say. Learning an offense is really an academic exercise, you know, to get all the all the information stored in your brain. But the bigger challenge is being able to read a defense after the snap. That's and of course, you got to have a good pre-snap read too. After the snap is the most critical time; those few seconds before you're going to deliver the ball. And then uh, Kirk wants to know about uh, what Coach Fry would have said about pay-to-play or pay-for-play. Coach Fry would have hated NIL, uh, and we've talked about it before, Corey. My disappointment is that someone in the NCAA didn't have the vision maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago to simply state. We're taking in a lot of revenue. Wouldn't it be logical that we would share some of that revenue with the players? And and at that point in time, I think they could have voted in. The new full scholarship would be tuition fees, room and board books, and $5,000 a year or $8,000 a year, whatever, whatever the number might be. Maybe at that point we wouldn't have NIL. We'd simply have players not having to worry about how they're going to be able to travel to and from school to home, you know, and of course they could, if they happen to live nearby, then they just got to pocket that money and use it as spending money. And, and uh, the truth, even if you're on full scholarship, of course, some of the guys didn't even have money in their pocket to go to a movie. Yeah. You're on full scholarship, but you still don't have any spending money because your family may may not be in position to send you any spending money. So the guys were still stuck just eating, dorm food and and um, invest him with teammates in the dorm because they didn't have money to pay for a movie. So it's too bad that somebody didn't realize that 10 or 15 years ago and and simply um, come up with a, a system of giving the players a little bit of the proceeds. Yeah, I get, I get you. All right, folks, we'll be back. For Iowa post game, uh, why does it still say that? I, I changed that. Why? Why? I don't understand what's happening here. 
Okay, there it goes. I don't know why it didn't update. Uh, next Saturday, 11 a.m. Uh, Fox, or excuse me, Fox Sports, FS1, 11 a.m. Central Time. And uh, we'll have some form of a post game. Don't have the uh, details ironed out yet for Coach Patterson and myself, but stay tuned because we'll have coverage right here throughout the week leading up to Iowa and Purdue. Don, appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll hope for another victory to get back over 500 next week. Amen to that.